Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 163 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is June 22nd, 2021. I'm Robert Ring. With me is my married friend, Jay Totoro. Whoa, hello. And, oh, you're, still, uh, but you're still bummed that, aren't you? What's that? You're still bummed that I didn't tell you about that, aren't you? <laughs> no, I've gotten over it. I, I, I've gotten over the fact that I wasn't told. I just, I have yet to get over the fact that, that you are, that you are married now. Good, good, good. Uh, also, Did you have a secret wedding? Whoa, yeah, we who's did. that? Oh, dude, I want that so bad. You know what? I've, I've heard people are just like popping in every now and then. So I decided, you know what? This is my episode to pop in on, but... <laughs> Dude, I wanted to have a secret wedding so fucking bad. I thought that would be so funny, but my wife was not into it. She yeah. did not think people would appreciate it. Our families were in that same court. So, because, yeah, initially Lisa and I were just going to go to the courthouse and just get it done. And I ran it by my parents. I was like, you know, I should probably talk to my parents and make sure they're cool with it. And so I talked to my parents. I was like, hey, would you guys be mad if we just went to the courthouse and just kind of got this done? And they were like, yeah, we want to be there. And I'm like, oh, okay. Shit. All right. Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> I guess I guess I'm just the dickhead in this scenario because I wanted to get married and then like years later when we actually had a wedding, give a toast that at the end be like, we've been married for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> just dunk on people. Just to break And everybody. my wife is like, yeah, exactly. It's like the dumbest prank. Like who does that prank? But I thought that yeah. would be so funny. Don't even tell the preacher either or like whoever's marrying you. <laughs> like. Yeah, nobody. Wait, that's that's when you. That's when you double up. That's when you. That's when you let. That's when you let the cat out of the bag. When he was like, when you're up there, and he's like, "Now I pronounce you, man wife." You're like, "Oh, no, you don't," because we were already married. Gotcha. <laughs> I'd be like, what? What did you just say? <laughs> Everybody be just like, looking uh, around like the hell. I just pat myself on the back. I'm like, I know, sick prank. BT Dubs keeping all the presents. Goodbye, and just peace out, like fade away. So anyway, with us also is is Vaughn Hyde from IndiePod. Vaughn, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Honestly, I got I got to be real here. I'm kind of bummed because I've heard there's this stellar third chair that pops in all the time named snes drunk and i i just honestly can't believe that i'm i'm not going to be able to to meet this hey. legendary hero of old but whatever yeah he, he's been here a lot too he wasn't able to be on uh i think he had something going on tonight so uh but yeah we'll tell him you said hey ah, okay okay i'll have to come on again just to just to meet him. um so actually speaking of weddings i was at a wedding also well Sort of. You weren't at a wedding. I was at a wedding this past weekend. <laughs> this I was okay. I was at a wedding this past weekend, and it was it was like all old people. It was it was old people getting married. Most of the people there were old people, but so with that, let me step aside from that and ask you guys a question unrelated. Do you have like a what's your neutral facial expression look like? A like, blank face. I don't know. It's <laughs> like deer in headlights. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, like I'm so dissociated. I'm somewhere else. If you if you if you're just like working or like you're not you're not you know you're not feeling any sort of emotion about anything. You're just standing there like walking into a restaurant or typing an email or something like that. Like, what is your facial expression like? Do you so yours is deer in headlights. <laughs> is uh partially uh, open just a little bit for some reason i always do that when i'm like really your mouth yeah i just open my mouth slightly at least it always makes fun of me about okay 
Vaughn, how about- Honestly, for me, it's gotta be like, I, I swear it's like a, the male equivalent of resting bitch face. Like, I just, I just, you know, I've got a chubby face, so I immediately look, <laughs> I guess, ominous, and I got a ginger beard, so you know I'm a psychopath, and people just avoid me. It's cool. It's whatever. Like, okay. I'm fine with it. I think mine is very similar to yours because I do oh, like hell yeah. I've been told that I do an angry face where like even to the point where people have been like, like somebody will have told me like, oh, somebody asked me what you're so angry about right now. <laughs> I just have to tell them that's your normal face. And like one time, like one of my coworkers like years ago saw me like walking somewhere down the street and she was like, yeah, you looked really angry. But so back to the wedding thing i was hanging around you know at the uh i guess it was just some random fucking old people's wedding i i feel like it's a little weird that you have not given context to why you're at a wedding no it was just a bunch of old people (laughs) it was it's my stepmother's mom's wedding Oh, okay. So, just tangentially related. You just tagged along. You're well, like, it's cool. It's whatever. <laughs> well, so anyway, I met some. I like. So we had the rehearsal dinner, and then at the end of the night, or no, it was like the next day at the actual wedding itself. I uh, there was some random uh, lady, like old, old older lady that I was meeting and saying hi to. Somebody introduced us. <laughs> she told me that she thought until just then when she met me, she had thought that I was a security guard. <laughs> What? You're you're such a friendly individual. I can't imagine that you come off that way to people now. I think it's just if you're looking at me without talking to me, that's what it, that's what I look like. Evidently. That's crazy to me. That's so surprising to me, to be honest with you. I feel like you're conveniently like forgetting to point out that like at one point in time during this <laughs> wedding you just stiff armed somebody for no reason. You just like tackled them to the ground and this lady was like, Damn, that's crazy. I didn't think that was relevant. <laughs> you're like yeah she just thought i was like a statue just standing there for some reason i don't get it it was weird like trying to keep the peace here like yeah so okay so next next episode before we move on with this one uh we got two things coming up uh no sorry one thing top 10 of 25 years ago for the next episode so that will be top 10 games of 1996 basically we just pull up Wikipedia and look at their list of video games that came out in 1996 and uh, pick our top 10. So that's what Jay and I are going to be doing. Um, We'll we'll still talk about games also, although maybe keep it to like one each or something like that. We'll we'll see how it goes. And uh, today we have game of the quarter. That'll be coming up in a little while. It was Icewind Dale 2, of course. Hopefully. Oh, shit. I forgot to check. I need to look at our emails, see if we got any... uh, Icewind Dale 2. I'm not sure if anybody played it this time because we kind of pulled a last minute switcheroo on everybody. Mm -hmm. But uh, so anyway, we got those two things going on. But before we talk about games, we'll jump into news. Um, So there was a lot of stuff because there were there was E3 and there were a lot of E3 and like other things hovering around E3 making lots of announcements. Uh, Before that, though, got one quick thing. Shadow Worlds and Saber Team. Uh, have been added to GOG. Those are two uh, 1992 PC games. They're kind of like a... I believe they're sort of like tactical strategy games from the looks of it. I'm not too familiar with these, but new old games added to GOG is always fun, so so those are on there now. Uh, also, 
the Atari VCS, which we've talked about a little bit on here, because it, I don't know, there, it doesn't, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to, to say about it, it, it seems like. It was, it's, it's finally been officially released. It's $400. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of backers saying that they haven't received theirs still. <laughs> that sucks so bad. It sucks. This always looked a little questionable to me from, from the outset, but they made a killing on their kick. I don't know if it was Kickstarter. I think it might've been one of the other things. Um, but yeah, selling for 400 bucks. Some backers haven't gotten it yet. I don't know how many that is, but I saw like on Twitter when they announced it, there were people responding to them. And like, anytime somebody was like, Oh, Hey, do you know where I can pick it up? They would respond and say like, Oh, it's at Best Buy or this and that, or, you know, I'm not in the United States. Where can I get it? They'd say, Oh, it's, you know, it's going to be in your region. And, you know, like next month or something. And then several people were like, Hey, I'm a backer. I still haven't received mine. What's up? And they got no response. Of course, dude. Oof. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the, the campaign was over on Indiegogo and they made over $3 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. I was very surprised by that because they're not really promising a, a lot or they weren't. I don't, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know how it's come out, but I mean, it was an Atari with Atari games that you could supposedly, and I, I believe you can, um, like load some new games onto. I think it runs on maybe Android or something like that. I, I could be totally wrong on that. There is some way to get some modern games on it. I don't know how or what the limitations are on that or anything. I just know that it's not purely Atari, but it's like half Atari. <laughs> okay. I don't really know a lot about it because I haven't kept up with it because I just it seemed it didn't seem too great to me. But anyway, that's out now. Is it? Apparently, you just said it's not out. <laughs> no, well, it's out if it's out as long as you're not a backer. <laughs> I was gonna say, which which is funny because from the emails I've gotten regarding uh, Frosthaven, if I read them correctly, part of their delay for releasing the game is they can't legally retail it until they give all the backers their copies. So that's interesting. I wonder if it's a different agreement, maybe. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I mean, there, I, I there's probably, I, I would be surprised if, if they legally couldn't do it. They're probably saying like, it's a really bad idea and it makes us look terrible. If we. It's true. They, they seem like really sound people based on the emails that they've sent. Like yeah. he sent a monthly or bi-monthly update. Uh, that is just incredible. It's it, extremely interesting and insightful. So. Yeah, a lot of the times it seems like people that do these will try really hard to make sure the backers get it before, you know, <laughs> before other people do. And that's kind of the benefit of backing it, right? It's supposed, it's supposed it. to be, yeah. yeah. Um, so that sucks. I hope those people get it worked out. Yeah, me too. Um, that's really fair to them. Yeah. I think Vaughn just DC'd, by the way. I think so too. It's cool. He'll be back. Um, <laughs> watch, watch. Uh... Like an Alex just shows up. <laughs> we just do a switcheroo part way through. That would be funny. That would be so confusing. Um, <sighs> Diablo 2 Resurrected is coming out September 23rd. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good too. Um, I'm really excited about it. I just, I don't, and it, like I said before, I don't really trust anything that Blizzard does that's new. You know what I mean? Right. Anything uh, no, touch, yeah. I just have no faith in their abilities. Yeah, definitely. 
There was a bunch of Nintendo. Right, hold on, Vaughn's typing a message. Let's see what he has to say. There was a bunch of. I'll, I'll keep talking in case it takes him a long yeah, time. Uh, Nintendo announced a bunch of stuff. Mario Party Superstars. It's kind of like. Uh, it's. Go ahead. It looks good. It, it looks. Well, excuse me. It looks for people who are, are big fans of the Mario Party series. A lot of people didn't like the most recent iteration. I wasn't a big fan of it either. I'm not a huge diehard Mario Party for, person. I like some of them, and you know, I, I like them for what they are, but they are going back a little bit on some of the more recent changes they made because they really watered it down in the most recent iteration to a point where it's just not really competitive. It's just kind of RNG based. So but that's if you always, are, that's how somebody, it's always been, right? Not really. There, there's definitely some RNG elements to it. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's much, it was dumbed down like a lot in I the last I iteration. The switch one was pretty good. Yeah, you would. <laughs> um, it was, it, there were a couple things, if I remember correctly, like the mini games were, what was it about the mini games? There was something to do with. I can't remember what it was. I'm trying to remember exactly what, what some of the challenges were. There was something with the mini games where it was just completely ridiculous and all over the place, and something to do with stars didn't cost coins anymore, if I'm not mistaken. I don't. I don't really remember. remember. It's a lot. I last time I played it was like a while back, so I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. But well, anyway. They're kind of, this one is like kind of an anthology sort of it sounds like not not really an anthology but like a collection of a lot of the of a lot of the mini games and a lot of the boards and stuff. Uh, I don't know exactly how they're combining it or what the actual you know like if it's going to be oh play this one from if it's just kind of like a big massive cluttering of all them or if it's going to be like oh you know do you want to play this map from this old one and then it'll have these particular games or don't really know how it's going to work but it's a collection of stuff from various previous Mario parties. Uh Advance Wars 1 yeah. and 2 Reboot Camp. Probably going to buy this. That looks pretty cool. It's coming out December 2nd as the name implies. It's a reboot of Advance Wars 1 and 2. Oh, well, it's really just like a remake it looks like of of Advance Wars 1 and 2. Uh you know with Yeah, that's my understanding as well. Fancy graphics, looks like, you know, <clears throat> pretty much the same gameplay and all that. You 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 like you like the way it looks. I, I do. I'm a, I'm a big Advance Wars fan, especially the second one. So, uh, which I, I think I've talked about a few times in the podcast. I'm really looking forward to that. Hunter and I are both probably going to buy it and hang out and um, you know have dinner while we play next to each other. So I'm excited about it. Cool. WarioWare Get It Together was also announced. I was I was surprised that they announced a Wario game. I don't know why. I just didn't think. That that I just coming. don't know anybody that's like, yes, another Wario game. Like, I <laughs> like them, they're interesting, but I don't crave them. You, you know, it's not something I necessarily look forward to. Yeah, so, I think yeah. there are a lot of people who do really like them. I kind of feel how you do. Like, they're they're funny, but yeah. I don't really, really like playing them that much. I don't think of the word. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's interesting for a little while, but it's not something that is exciting. Like, I don't, like, you know, you know when you're working and you're, you're playing a new game that you really like, you're like, I can't wait to be done working and play this game. I just have never felt that way about a warrior game. Gotcha. Well, that's coming out yeah. September 10th. There's a Zelda Game and Watch coming out, just like oh, the, I didn't hear about this. Yeah, just like the little Mario Game and Watch handheld they released that has Mario One and what else did it have? It had a couple something else. I feel like I don't remember what exactly, but it had Mario One and some other stuff on it. They announced the Zelda one of those. It's going to have uh, Legend of Zelda One. Legend of Zelda 2 and Link's Awakening, which was on Game Boy. Uh, looks pretty cool. They also announced Metroid Dread 
which looks pretty freaking awesome. You saw this? I, I like Metro. I like Metro games, but um, yeah, right. it, it looks. You, sorry, oh. you were cutting out. What'd you say? I said I did. It, it, it looks. It looks interesting. I, I'm not like super excited about it, but you know. I'm pretty excited about this one. So first off, it's coming out October 8th, which is a lot earlier than I, than anybody. Everybody seemed to be surprised by that. Uh, it. Um, what, what am I trying to say? Help me out here, Jay. Oh, <laughs> what I was going to say was I actually wasn't too excited about it until I saw it. Then I was like, I'm in. The, the, the most notable thing about it is that it's a... 2D side, well, it's 3D, but it's a side-scrolling game. Back to the original uh, Metroid style. I really expected it to be like Metroid Prime, you know? Yeah, that, um, was, my, that was my fear. I'm not, I'm not a huge Metroid Prime person, yeah. Yeah, me either. So I, I really didn't care too much. But it's 2D, just like the old Metroids. Now it is, you know, it is, the the graphics are 3D, and there are some things like where it might, or it looks like it might change the camera angle to just kind of show a cool view of an attack or something like that. But all of the gameplay is, is side scrolling based. So uh, it looks pretty awesome. I think I, I'm pretty hyped about it much more than I expect it to be. Let's see what else we got. Uh, there's one really funny thing about Me- There's one really funny thing about Metroid dread, but I want to wait until Vaughn's back before I, uh, I go over that. Um, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin was announced by Square or Square uh, Square Enix. The, uh, I assume you saw this. This is the one everybody was making fun of with the about saying he wants to kill Chaos. I saw the I saw the memes, but I didn't actually see the trailer <laughs> or anything for it. Okay, so Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin is basically a kind of reimagining of the beginning of the Final Fantasy saga i guess or or if not that then just retelling a reimagining of part of final fantasy one chaos is gosh i gotta look it back up chaos is is a bad guy in final fantasy one but i forgot yeah, exactly yeah last boss? huh is he the last boss um yes and no let me look it up i gotta look I, remember. I gotta look it back up uh, yes, okay, he is the, the last boss. Okay. Garland. Evidently, yeah, which is the first boss. He yeah. becomes Chaos. And then Chaos is the one who creates the time paradox and the and you have to kill him. Can you imagine 1988 or whatever year that game came out? They were like, ah, fuck it, let's put time travel in this. Yeah, I was surprised by that when I, when I played it. Yeah. So anyway... Chaos is evidently the the like the main antagonist of this game, and it's it's an action game. So it's not it's an action game it's it's an action game with RPG elements. Um, so it's not a turn based RPG or anything like that. It, it is straight up an action game, but you do level your character, and, ev- and evidently you you unlock various classes and stuff like that. So there is some there is a good bit of variety uh, supposedly. But everybody was making fun of the trailer because the main character. First off, they're they're unfor- in in my opinion, unfortunately, using the kind of new style of Final Fantasy for the characters. Like they're not wizards in robes and knights with shields and stuff like that. It's like a dude with leather pants and a black t shirt type type oh, situation. Like yeah. <laughs> like 
Final Fantasy 15 style, kind of, more or less. Uh, so I was kind of disappointed by that. I think a lot of other people were. But in the trailer, the guy goes, I have to kill chaos. And then he's like, and then two seconds later, he says something like, all I want to do is kill chaos. And then he breaks into chaos's castle at one point and just goes chaos or, or something like that. So, so it's, he actually doesn't say chaos more than maybe like four times in the trailer, but it's four times in like two minutes and he doesn't have many other lines beside that. So it's just kind of, I think it's gotten blown out of proportion a little bit, but it's still, you definitely do still get the feeling like this guy, every line, he just says that he wants to kill chaos. And so that's what everybody was making fun of. Um, Understandably. Yeah. The, the trailer did not look that impressive. However, there was a demo available. I'm not sure if it still is or not. And from basically everybody that I heard from that played the demo, everybody said it was actually really fun. So uh, it seems like it, it could potentially be actually a really good game. I just That's the, exciting, at least. I just cut underneath my fingernail. Oh, stop. What were you doing? Why? Really pointy guitar pick, and for some reason, I was just like ru- running the point up and All down. Right, we're done. Talking. You're done. You're done. We're done. <laughs> Conversation's over. That uh, sucks. Uh, psychopath. Yeah, that was kind of a psycho thing to do, I guess. Uh, oh, another Final Fantasy thing Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster. Okay. This is Final Fantasy 1 through 6. And that's kind of all we know. Evidently, they are remastered, but in pixel format still. So they're not, you know, making them 3D like they did with Final Fantasy 3. Or they're not like, you know, obviously they're not full-blown remakes. But they are remasters of those first six Final Fantasy games in pixel form. Coming out, quote, soon. But with the caveat that it's only coming out on Steam and mobile. Ugh. Which, if you are, if you keep up with Final Fantasy with, with Square Enix stuff, basically whenever this happens, it means whenever they release something for Steam and mobile, it's a mobile game that they just kind of slap together a Steam port for. Yeah, you lost me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, and and in a lot of cases, even the mobile version wasn't really that of whatever they made. Shocker. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> Very good quality. This happened with Final Fantasy VI and I think Chrono Trigger. Um, they just turned out to be like bad versions of those games. So, this is a huge don't hold your breath situation. Like, could potentially be cool, but... And even if it is, it kind of blows that you can't at least get it on on Switch or something, you know? Yeah, that, that was my exact thought. So, uh, that's weird. That's happening. Limited Run Games has announced that they are going to be selling their most requested game of all time. Hmm. Do you have any guesses on what this might be? No, I have no idea. Plumbers don't wear ties. Oh, no. (laughs) Yep, Limited Run Games is going to be selling Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. I don't know when. Let's see if I can find any information. Huh? You're going to get it, I'm assuming? Dude, I own it on 3DO. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, oh, yeah. 
Let's see. Uh, I don't know if there's a date for it yet. Oh, okay. It's supposedly later this year. It's going to be on PS4, PS5, PC, and Switch. I'm not, I don't know if the, if they've announced whether it's only going to be uh, a physical copy that they're selling because sometimes limited run games do release uh, digital games as well. So I'm sure there will be I'm sure there will be a physical release. It's just whether or not there will also be a digital release. I, I'm I'm banking on yes, but I don't know. What else? Any other news? Jay, do you have any other news? I think so, to be honest with you. I mean, I've been incapacitated for three weeks, so I have no idea. Yeah, you've done... I don't know what the world is. You've done nothing but play World of Warcraft, I'm aware. Yep, and work. Are yep. you... Have you... Do you feel satiated yet? With uh, World of... With... I mean, kind of. Maybe. That sounds no, like a no. Not. <laughs> that sounds That's like a no. Um, oh, there was one more thing. Microsoft is selling an Xbox refrigerator. Evidently, stop doing things. By the way, oh, sorry. Let's go ahead. Well, evidently they they did a full size Xbox refrigerator a while back, like as a joke, but it was a one off that you could win as part of a contest or something. And now they're actually going to be selling a a mini fridge that's like I don't know if it's the exact size, but basically the size of of the actual new Xbox, and it and it looks just like it on the outside, but it just on the inside, it's a refrigerator instead of a gaming console. So uh, it actually looks kind of funny. I, I was thinking about maybe doing it, but then I was like, you know, I don't. Maybe if I end up with a need for a mini fridge one day, I, I, I'll go for this one. But I don't. I just don't think I'm in the mini fridge market at this time. Were yeah, gonna... I wish they would uh, focus on making a better OS instead of making fucking Xbox mini fridges. Dude, did you get? Oh, go ahead. Did you get on Windows? This yes, new thing yeah, you're going for it. Yep. The weather. Yep. Yep. And you should disable it immediately because it tracks a bunch of shit and fucking sells it back to you. It's it's like Does it's it? so invasive. It's obscene. Like it, it's freaking crazy. I had to go online and read about how to disable it because I was like, okay, can I just like go through the settings and disable it? It's pretty easy once you actually read how to disable it. It's like in the settings for it or whatever. But it was just one of those things. I'm like, why is this a thing? Like, what have you have you clicked on it yet? By the way, I just did now for the first time. It's yeah, all, enjoy it's, that giant news feed. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the weather in one corner, and then a billion different news articles. Yeah, and and by the way, if you click on any of those news articles, you'll never guess which browser it opens in. <laughs> Take a guess. It's the one you've never opened before. Uh, I have no, I have no idea which one you could be talking about. Yeah. Yeah, they, they really have to stop with that shit. It's actually, like, embarrassing. Like, they they just, like, they made it so you can't uninstall their browser now. They made it so that to change the default, you have to go in there, and it gives you a warning and begs you not to disable it. Like, it is absolutely pathetic what they're doing. And they bought Discord, too, which is just awful. Oh, I forgot about that. Did that, did, that, fuck it up. did that go through? Is that is that a done deal? I, thought, uh, I know they were going to at one point. Are you sure that happened? Let me. I, I thought. I thought it went through. Let me see. Microsoft. Uh, yeah. Well, eleven point two billion. Oh no! Uh, still talk. No. This still says talks. no. Discord ends deal. <laughs> no. I don't think it happened. No, it didn't happen. Oh, I think you're right. Good. Don't don't sell it. Please don't sell it. If anybody works Discord's listening, which is probably not going to happen, but yeah. uh, please don't sell to Microsoft. Anybody but Microsoft. Please. Any other company. Don't let them touch it because you know they're going to merge into all the other garbage that they're already doing. 
and they keep fucking teams up too which is just crazy like teams oh oh like Microsoft. oh yeah. gotcha okay oh my god i, I use teams for work teams and it's like product. they keep patching it and changing it it's like i work with a bunch of people who are older and they don't know how to use technology as it is stop moving the icons around stop moving anything around stop changing features like oh my gosh i i pray to god they don't they don't purchase uh discord it sounds like it's a it's it's off the table now but but what i was gonna say about the weather thing is it bothers me so bad that the text is is blurry on where it says the weather it's not it's not clear like the stuff next to it where it says the date and stuff oh yeah is your yours is like that too right is it it just me today one day one okay you can't just say well, anyway, yeah, the, it's like the text is like the resolution is off or something, and it's 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 the text is blurry and not nearly as as clear as the other stuff on like the taskbar right next to it. It's so it just looks terrible. Like I was, I thought this was a virus at first when I first got it. Yeah, so it looks like it, right? It looks like one of those viruses from like the early two thousands, late nineties. I thought the same thing. That's so funny you say that. <laughs> How embarrassing, like how embarrassing for a company, like it, it's so invasive, it's just crazy. And they keep forcing these mandatory updates. And my favorite thing in the world is, and I, I don't understand what evil, terrible person that works in every, I, I think it's predominantly Microsoft, I don't know about any of the other OSs. When you update, it turns your system sounds to max volume. Who uses <laughs> system sounds? Who uses system sounds? I, I do not understand where these people live, but I mute system sounds every single patch. And then the next time it patches, I have to mute it again. And I just don't, I don't understand why. I, mute, I, I don't know if I mute system sounds or not. Oh, are you talking about like yeah. how when you adjust the volume and it goes ding? Yeah, 100%. That. Stuff like that. Yeah, all that stuff. Whenever you like click on something and it can't move and it's like, burnt, all that stuff. I don't, I don't understand why you need an error message for that. No offense to you, but. Yeah, well. Muting the, you know, generally. That's, you know, that's Microsoft. Anyways. I hate Microsoft. I absolutely hate Microsoft. It's actually driving me crazy. Yeah, Microsoft kind of sucks. Stuff. They do. It's like, go back to the days when you made a good OS. Like, it's crazy when you open up your bra- your your start menu now, and it's like, oh, please use our browser. Please use this. Please use that. And it's like, stop, dude. Like, it's, it's actually insane. Yeah. Make a better product, and I will use it. Anyways, yep. there's my uh, Blizzard rant for the night. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess we'll move on to the games we've been playing. Do you, I don't know, I'm not even going to ask. So you, yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, you've got you know going. World of Warcraft and Icewind Dale 2. Uh-huh. I have... I'll talk about one more besides besides Icewind Dale 2. Um, let's go with... Let's go with Shantae. This Shantae. was Yeah, Shantae. You played this not too long ago. Yeah. What'd you play it for? Uh, well, it was... The Game Boy Color Shantae, but I played it on their uh, limited run games, released all of the Shantae games on Switch and uh, digitally. And so I played the Game Boy Color port on the Nintendo Switch. Cool. Uh, This is, it came out in 2002. Uh, The thing that's noteworthy about Shantae, which I'm, I'm sure we discussed when Jay played it, is that this is one of those games that sells for an a ridiculous amount of money on eBay because it's, it wasn't really discovered. It wasn't discovered until, until long after it was originally uh, 
you know, on the market for sale. So people, when it first came out, like it just never really took off for some reason. People didn't really know about it. It didn't sell very well. Then once people eventually kind of discovered it, they realized, wow, this is a really good game. But of course, at that point, it, it's, it's long out of production and there's a pretty limited supply. So prices go up. That's what happens. Uh, that has happened with this game to an insane degree. Even, even taking into account how expensive uh, like old games have gotten to be nowadays, this like blows most other games out of the water. I checked it today, and currently this this is I, I did some I checked it around on eBay, but I also my the main source I used for this was PriceCharting.com, which follows the prices that games are selling for on eBay. Right now, a loose copy of Shantae <clears throat> sells for $720 without, that's without the box. That's just the game cartridge for a, com- for a complete inbox copy. The average, or I don't know if this was the average or the, the most recent one. I think this is the average $2,318. Yeah, no, thank you. That's it's a fun game, but nope. That is insanity. Even for an idiot like me who occasionally pays way too much for video games, like I would I, I'm not touching this. Next level. Yeah, I gotta bring it to the next level, I guess. One of the most outrageously priced games ever. I mean, obviously so Little Samson for NES is kind of the the most famous of overpriced games, and that one does indeed cost more than this, but I don't know of any others that that are this high. I'm sure there are, but this is definitely one of the most expensive uh, old games that, that you can find. So, Shantae is a 2D side-scrolling uh, Metroidvania-style style game. You are uh, this... So, you're this girl named Shantae. You are a half-genie. And this, these, this pirate lady and her... I guess minions attack the town that you live in and you kind of take it upon yourself to save the town. Shantae says something like, you know, what, what get up, what good am I as a genie if I don't save the town from these people attacking? So you're trying to save the town from the, or the Island or whatever it is from uh, the bad guys. Um, so as I said, it's kind of Metroidvania format. So it's not level one, level two, level three, you start off and then you kind of go right, basically. And you go through lots of, uh, you come across maybe like a door or two where that'll take you to other areas. But if you keep just kind of going right through the, through the platforming and through the bad guys, then you eventually reach a second town. And from there you can kind of backtrack if you want, or you can, you know, or you can keep going the same direction and go farther out. And, you know, presumably I, I guess I didn't do much more beyond that, but go to uh, a third town in the towns, you can also use money to buy things. You can buy kind of like ammo-based projectiles for limited use. You can uh, you can buy just equipment that makes you stronger. You can you can heal up. That's also where you can save your game. Uh, and then, like in between these towns, so as I said, like from one town to the next, it's kind of platforming and bad guys that you have to get through. But there's also places where you can go like for instance in a kind of a sewer type area is is one of this is one of the spots 
And that's where it becomes more kind of Metroid-ish, where you are, it's a little bit more puzzle-based, uh, a lot less linear, a little bit more of a maze. You're going around trying to figure out, uh, usually you have a goal for the the area. It's like, you know, oh, there's a bad guy here, you gotta kill him or find this or that. And you use things that you've unlocked to progress farther in this or that place, solve a few little puzzles on how to maybe, you know, unlock a door or whatever, then finally beat the the boss of that area and then boom, you've you've done you've done something and then you can kind of keep progressing. The the way that your abilities come into play, the ones that you earn as you play the game is primarily through uh, the form of these dances that you do. Um, so, so your main attack, by the way, is just you whip your hair at people. You walk around and there's a bad guy. You whip your hair at him. You know, like I said, you can buy limited numbers of projectiles, but you're, you're the most the, the attack that you're going to be using the vast majority of the time is whipping your hair at people. Um, when you learn new dances, you can transform into animals. And the animals have special abilities. Like the first one you get is the monkey. And the mo- and when you turn into a monkey, yeah. then you can like what well, you can like jump really high and climb walls. Isn't isn't that it? I'm I'm not remembering. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, something like that. And so that's how you get past you know certain places that you couldn't have gotten to before. You go into monkey form and and jump and climb and stuff. Uh, which did you ever have a problem like doing the inputs? inputs to do a dance correctly like it took me sometimes 15 tries to do the monkey dance right so i could turn into a monkey i don't think you're a real gamer no i, I, don't, no. I don't i don't remember having an issue with it to be honest with you. i could be wrong though okay i might have just not under really really understood how it works but it's like there's a button you can press to start dancing and then after you press that each form is unlocked by pressing like a certain combination of buttons after you start dancing and i just could i don't know if i wasn't timing it right or what, but it took me many tries sometimes to turn into a monkey. But that's that's the gist of the game. Uh, is you're unlocking more dances to, to gain new forms, to gain new abilities, to get to new places. Um, this, I it's not. Qu- I don't know. I mean, I, even though I know you had talked about it on the, on the podcast before, I, maybe I had forgotten about that. I didn't realize it was this style of game, and I wasn't really in the mood for this type of game. So I didn't play it too long. I played it for maybe two or three hours. Didn't get very, didn't get super far. Um, got, you know, played enough to, to get a good feel for it, but, but to also not get very far in the game. So, um, really solid game. Definitely not what I was looking for, but also nowhere near the, the, as good as the hype (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which leads you to believe like $720 for a loose copy of this blows my mind. Cause to me, it's not a bad game at all. It's a good game, but it's not even like a great game. In my opinion, I think it's a solid game and that's kind of as far as I would go with it. Do you, what, what do you think? Did you like it more than yeah, me? I thought it was more, I thought it, it, it exceeded my expectations to be honest with you. I thought it was, okay. I thought it was quite a good game. Now I agree with you. I'll be honest with you though. I can't think of a game that I would pay $750 for across the board, uh, to be honest with you. I, 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 there are very few games that even come across my mind that I'd be like, yeah, I'm willing to pay that much money for it. Just there's there's no freaking way. Sure. So uh, I do agree with you. I think it's a good game. I don't think it's as good as people make it out to be with that high cost. But, you know. So, uh, 
Okay, yeah. So so Shantae <clears throat> didn't quite live up to the hype for me, but I but yeah, it's a really good game. If you're in the mood for something like this, as I said, it's on Switch now. So I think it's probably ten bucks or something like that. Uh, and it's it's just it's so it's as far as I can tell, it's a one to one port. So you're not you know losing out on anything by mm-hmm. playing the uh, the Switch version. All right, Jay. Uh, before we talk about Icewind Dale Two, our game of the quarter. I'm sure you would like to talk about World of Warcraft, whatever the new expansion is called. Whatever the new expansion. You mean the re-released expansion? The re. Okay. Let's. All right. Give me the. Give us the rundown then. So, uh, yeah, it came out on Tuesday. Well, the Tuesday first of. I was trying to look at the date. Oh, okay. The first okay. of June. So, uh, one of my close friends, you, you obviously know Hunter. Uh, Kate came over and stayed at my house for uh, Tuesday through Sunday, and we were up about 18 hours a day just playing nonstop. It was it was really fun. Uh, it was it was incredibly enjoyable. It's, it's always an exciting thing too cuz as I as I kind of talked about with you and Vaughn before the podcast, the really exciting thing about this was a lot of people that I have played games with throughout the last, you know, 5 or 10 years all sort of came out of the woodwork at the same time. They're just like, "Hey, what are you what are you doing?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like, oh, "Are you going to play WoW?" And I'm like, "Ah, duh. Is that a real question?" <laughs> They're like, We'll serve you on and like all oh, this and and so it ended up being there was like 15 or 20 of us that were really just wanted to go really hard the first week and just spent a lot of time playing and leveling and we ended up forming in in groups so we had basically groups of five that basically ran together for the extent of it and it was really fun you know we'd wake up um really early in the morning play all day all night go to bed you know sleep five or six hours wake up and do it again just over and over and over <laughs> and, and it was really fun. So the shitty thing happened, though. So I kept losing power. I kept losing power. And uh-huh. the shitty, so, so this is like Wednesday, I think, was the first day I started losing power. And it wasn't like extensive. It was like it would flicker. So I would lose, you know, my computer would turn off. All my AC would turn off. My internet would turn off. And then it would come back on for a few minutes. And they keep going. And there was one day where it went out for like 30 minutes and then came back on. And then Damn. it was up for like five minutes. And it went back out again for, for a couple hours. And so I got a text message from my fucking wonderful uh, electricity provider, power company, and they're they're like, oh, you know, some jackass threw something into the power line, so it's down. If you're in this area, like, you're going to be down for a couple hours working on fixing it. I'm like, what? Like, somebody, they, I think they said, like, somebody threw a chair, like a lawn chair or something <laughs> into one of the power lines or something. And I'm like, like, what? Like, really? Right now? Like, this is this is when somebody plans to do this? I'm like, okay. Like, that is, that is what it is. So Hunter and I just kind of, like, sat around and played some board games for a couple hours. It came back online, and then we just we just kind of went ham again. And then the next day, it happened again. The power oh, went out, and I'm shit. like, who are you throwing chairs? Like, who is this guy? I'm, I'm going to fuck it. Like, this is not happening. You, you cannot stop this. So, so they message me, like, it, this is 3.30 in the afternoon, by the way, in Arizona, in scorching weather. It's 112 degrees outside. Everybody's running their ACs at full blast. I get a text message. Uh, we're currently undergoing maintenance and we expect your power to be back on. Why aren't you running maintenance at 3.30 in the afternoon in Arizona? Like, basically, almost the peak <laughs> of the heat of the day. And we're running maintenance. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So, so finally the power came back on. We lost it a, a couple more times, like, just, like, for a couple minutes, but not nothing as extensive as, as it was the first day. It was absolutely obscene. I actually cannot believe that happened. It, it was actually insane to me. God. So, yeah, it is what it is. So, I um, spent a lot of time, you know, obviously playing, but it was, it was a really enjoyable experience. You know, I, I, my brother, my younger brother played with us, which is obviously a blast. You know, I, I love my younger brother. We play, play a lot of games together. So 
you know, we're, it, it was it was nice. We had a little competition going too. So the other groups were obviously leveling, we're leveling, and we're just kind of competing with each other. And, and it, it was fun. You know, there there was there were some pretty cool elements. And what was really exciting about it is is you know I, I don't know if, if you have this experience, but I always have the fear of merging friend groups. And this was one of those situations where I was merging <laughs> many friend groups together. And I was really nervous because you know I wasn't sure how everybody was going to fit in and you know connect with each other and everything like that. And it ended up working really well. There were a couple of people that really didn't fit in too well, and they kind of fell off after a couple of days, which is okay. fine. Uh, but then a lot of people stuck around and became friends, and so it, it's been really enjoyable. So right now, I'm I'm actually the I'm a guild master, so I, I manage a guild of you know fucking almost a hundred people. But Damn. realistically, I only I only really care not really I wouldn't say care, but the people I predominantly care about is about twenty five people because that's what I we need in order to clear content. So it's been really fun working really close to everybody, you know, trying to gear up as much as possible. And we're basically doing the content when it's fresh and when we're under geared for it. So we have to get really creative in our approach on how to do things. And, you know, basically min what we call min maxing, you know, you kind of min max yeah. your character, basically using every ability to its ex fullest extent and try to do things that you wouldn't normally have to do on your class. And I'm also tanking, which I, I lo always love tanking. I think tanking is exceptionally interesting and fun. So you like tank, you're a um, tank? I'm a tank. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I realistically, I like doing everything. I love healing. I think healing is a blast. I love being in stressful healing situations where you're healing somebody, they're going down, somebody else is going down, you switch and heal them. The other person starts to go down, you switch back to them, you're pumping heals, you're trying to conserve mana. So you're trying to find that balance of, I can't let people die, but I need to be, you know, conservative enough with my mana to where we can actually last yeah, the fight. Yeah. I think that is absolutely fascinating. And I love doing, you know, not math on the fly because I'm not going to exaggerate to that extent, but you know, just understanding your class and, and basically maximizing your potential. I think that's really fun. I also think DPSing because Hunter is Hunter is playing a class that is arguably the highest DPS class right now, and he is a pumper man. It is impressive some of the numbers he's putting up right now. There's a uh, there's a, a metric we have which is it's called parsing, and so what it does is it gauges your performance against other people of your class at that for that fight and hunter oh, is geez. parsing at like the 99th and 100 percentile on Damn. a lot of fights he's doing exceptionally well and it's so fun to to group with him because as a tank one of the key mechanics that exists in this iteration of wow is threat so part of my role is to make sure i am not only surviving but i'm also making sure to maintain threat on all the mobs and when somebody is pumping that hard he is pushing me to my limits of trying to keep aggro and keep threat on everything so it's really fun. Uh, we pushed into content last night. So there, there, currently there are a total of three raids that are out. Uh, there's one 10 man, which is called Karazhan, one of the most iconic raids in World of Warcraft history. It is just an exceptionally cool dungeon. You're basically working your way up this tower. There's innovative bosses, really extensive mechanics that they started adding into the game at this point. Really, really fun dungeon. So we spent the first time we played it, it took us like six hours and it was really fun. It was very challenging, but very fun. Uh, the next raid is called Gru's Lair. It is a very creative approach to a raid. It's a 25-man group. Wait, did we even say... Just, sorry, did we even say what the expansion is? Oh, I, I mean, actually, I mean, I'm sure anybody who's listening to this probably knows. Okay, I don't or, know. It, it's not... Okay, well, it doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything. Because realistically, know. it's it's the re-release for... Um, the Burning Crusade is, is the name of it. Burning uh, of Crusade. The so of this, was, this was one of the actual original expansions this was just, first just, expansion okay so just like this they re-released re wow classic they are re-releasing this first expansion to wow classic yeah that's correct okay yeah, yeah exactly and and there's expectations that they're going to obviously do more with it as well but you know we'll, we'll kind of see down the line 
At what point? Um, or what, at what okay. point are they going to catch up, and it's just going to be the same exact fucking thing as regular World oh. of Warcraft? To be honest, after the next one, I will probably stop playing. Uh, to be honest, because that that is about the time when the game for me just kind of fell off. Okay. There's a, a lot of a lot of things that I'm just not a huge fan of. So um, I think at that point is when I will probably stop playing. They'll probably keep going with it because it's an easy easy cash grab for them, and you know it doesn't take extensive development work or creativity because it's a matter of just copy pasting right mm -hmm. from their own book. <clears throat> So uh, the, the second raid we did is a 25 man, and the the, the main boss of the raid is name is Gruul, and it's, it's this big. I think they're called Gron. They're these one-eyed, basically these giants. I don't even know how to describe them. Kind of primal-looking beings. And this boss has a mechanic where he has two mechanics. The primary one is every 30 seconds he grows in size and damage by 15 percent. So basically, if you think about it, it's kind of what's called a, a soft enrage, which means if you don't kill the boss by X time, you basically die because he's going to start one-shotting people. Gotcha. So you need to have a lot of damage. The second mechanic he has is called what's called a hurtful strike. And what that implies is whoever is second on threat, the boss will hit them every eight seconds for a substantial amount of damage. This also scales up with the first mechanic of the 15%. So basically, you have to have two tanks that are pushing threat very hard and also surviving the mechanics of the boss. There are some other mechanics to it as well, but that's kind of the, the initial mechanics. So it's a matter of, you know, just basically trying to align those two things, at least from my perspective and trying to bring the boss down in a timely manner. And so it took us probably three or four hours to kill him. And it was really exciting. It was, it is one of those moments where it was just hours and hours and hours of us trying to figure it out, basically trying to min-max our group. And ultimately what it resulted in the way we killed it is we actually killed it with one person short. So we only had 24 people. Oh, because wow. there was somebody who was failing one of the mechanics consistently. And it was easier if they weren't there than if they were. No joke. So were you like, sorry, buddy, but uh, I hate to ask you this, but can you... Uh... We actually didn't know until... He actually had to leave. He had to go do something else. So he left and okay. then proceeded to kill it right so afterwards. It didn't, so you didn't have to have an awkward conversation. No, but I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, as a guild leader, I I don't mind doing that, right? At the end of the day, my goal is to is to give us as much success as possible while having fun, right? So at the end of the day, I'm not going to hold up 24 people for one person, if that makes sense. So you're not going to be like, hey, fuck wad, what the hell are you doing? But you're going to be no. like, maybe like, hey, uh, maybe if you could um go back and craft something for us while we finish this, right? I mean, it would be like, you know, hey, because last night, so we were doing the other, the other 25 man, and there were people that were, that were failing one of the mechanics. And, you know, I was just messaging him, just talking like, hey, do you understand how this works? Like, you know, you, you messed this up this last time. Do you understand how the mechanics work? You know, do you need help? You know, whatever it is, you know, kind of talk through with them. And if they can't figure it out at the end of the day, I'll ask them to leave. I mean, it, it, there, there are a lot of mechanics right now, especially the boss we did last night, where if, if one person messes up, it's a guaranteed wipe and there's no way around it. So it Damn. it's uh, it's a little crazy at times. Like one of the one of the mechanics we did last night, um, the boss cast an ability called Blast Wave every fifty seconds or so, and it basically does uh, a substantial amount of damage every second for ten seconds, and it will kill you. It will guarantee kill you and everybody in the room, which causes a wipe. And what it requires is five people have to simultaneously click on a on an object in the room. There's five objects. They each have to click on it at the same time in order to interrupt him from casting this ability. Here's the further challenge oh, well. is once you click on it, you cannot click on it again for 90 seconds. Oh. <laughs> so you basically have to have three or four groups of five who are rotating, clicking on this and not messing up. And if somebody gets, if somebody dies or if somebody is getting moved around the room and they can't click on the object, then you have to have somebody very quickly take their place. But then if, you, if, if they're from another group, then you have to fill that group. 
and it creates a very quick chain reaction and it's really tough. We executed on that portion very well. I'll say we actually executed the boss very well. We killed him after, I think it was probably a little over three hours, like three hours and 15 minutes we killed him. And it's really exciting. You know, we're sitting in Discord, 25 people are throwing out ideas, how we can do it. You know, we're basically stre stretching our characters as far as we can. And it was a blast. I, I'm definitely looking forward to doing more of it. Um, and I just have, I have really, really good people to, to play with. I really enjoy a lot of the people. And what, what's exciting is right now, so we, we are basically done with the current content. So we basically get to put it on farm and just kind of relax for a little bit. Um, you know, basically spend a lot less time raiding for right now. And we're all going to start PVPing. So we basically get to take a step away from PVE, take a break, uh, and just focus more on PVPing. So it, it's been a really fun time. I, I, it's it's uh, The group of people I have to play with are awesome. I'm really happy that we have so many really talented players. I, there were a lot of people that came into this and I was like, well, there's, there's definitely going to be a challenge because some people are substantially better than others and we may have to talk through that at, at a certain point. But a lot of people have really stepped up and impressed me. And the really exciting thing is everybody is very focused on us making progress. So everybody's kind of chipping in to help each other to make sure that the guild is moving forward, which is awesome. So it's basically we're a collective unit with one goal in mind, all working together to get it done. And there's very little greed within the guild right now, which is just awesome. It, it just it just creates a really good environment. So Man, it sounds fun. It's very fun. And it, it's, it's one of those things where initially I felt bad because a lot of us, probably 10 or 15 of us, were going super hard. You know, we were playing nonstop, basically. And there were some people that were doing it. Some people were kind of mid-range, and we were just sprinting along. So I felt, I felt kind of bad at first, but people are starting to catch up now um, in terms of, like, hitting max level and stuff. So mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a lot more people to play with right now. I know what you mean about the healers, by the way. A lot of people in Final Fantasy hate playing healer, but... To me, it's always, and I, I, and I don't really that much because I'm not great at the game and I don't want, you know, healer's kind of a clutch position, obviously, to, to play. Um, mm -hmm. But whenever I do play it occasionally, it, it's, it's, it's really fun to me because you're not just seeing how much damage you can do in dodging attacks, right? You're, you actually have something else that you have to focus on. You got to make sure your timing's right on the heals and that you're also managing your, your, uh, your mana as well and that kind of stuff it's, it's it seems it just to me it is kind of more interesting than just how much how, you know how much dps can i crank out yeah and there, there's a couple things too that i generally did because i played a priest when i played final fantasy 14 when it first came out and one of the things that i was trying to do in that is because obviously you have like the multi-classes i would take dps abilities and i would basically dps as hard as i could while keeping people alive so we could just keep going and going and going and going and making sure to like retain as much mana as possible. I love stretch, stretching my character, especially as a healer, to like the maximum potential. So like, you know, as the fight is ending, I'm running up to the next pole and I'm drinking right next to it so the tank can go in and there's no downtime. So it's just like keep going and going and going and going. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so it, I, I really do enjoy playing a healer in a lot of cases. I think uh, we, we're kind of talking about this as well is, is when the next expansion comes out, we're probably going to commit to, no joke, like a more hardcore um, experience. We want to try and like really push to try and get things done in not like the fastest in the world, but at least like try to do well for like ranking on our server. Because right now we're, we're ranked 16th on our server, which isn't bad by any means. We are one of the only guilds that is currently what's, uh, what's called um, a pug. So a pug is basically a random that you include into your raid in order to fill out your roster. So right now we are one of the only, actually, I think we're the only guild that's cleared content on our server who's, who is leveraging pugs. Because most guilds are coming over with a full ra raid roster from vanilla and they're, you know, wearing a lot of gear from vanilla and stuff like that. So it was, 
it's been really fun because I think we are we're one of the only guilds that is doing that, and we're getting a lot of uh, recognition for it, which is really cool. It's awesome. nice to get that that kind of feeling. Sweet. How many hours do you think you put in over the past three weeks? It probably an obscene amount. Probably <laughs> the first week, I think we were. I think Hunter and I played like sixty or eighty hours from like Tuesday to Sunday. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was insane. it was awesome. I, I would do it again. I mean, uh, in all seriousness, I would. I would do yeah. it the next time next match comes out. We're gonna do it. And what's cool is we were kind of talking about this next time. We might rent like an Airbnb. Like, uh, oh, you never went to the EG house. There, there was a house that that EG, one of the companies Robert and I used to work for, that they had a house here in Scottsdale, and it was a beautiful setup for a gaming house. It had this massive living room where you could basically put probably 10 computers wall to wall. Just just so much space for computers. So we were thinking about actually renting an Airbnb, uh, finding one with like exceptional internet and all just like flying to a location and just doing that for like two weeks or something, which I think would be amazingly fun. You know, go outside a little bit, but not really. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, we were kind of talking about this, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to doing that potentially. As so, well. real quick, what does it's Burning Crusade? Is that right? Mm-hmm. What does it add to the base game? It's a, it's a lot. So, so in classic and original vanilla WoW, there's a lot of imbalances with a lot of classes. Certain classes are viable, other classes are not. And there's generally warriors are arguably just like a god tier class. In the Burning Crusade, they basically expand upon all the different characters. And they add new abilities. They try to balance other ones. They they really did a great job of balancing. Most classes are viable to an extent. There are certain classes that are still substantially better than the rest. I mean, it, it was their first chance at, at trying to balance it. So that, for me, is a big deal because it, it makes raiding a lot more interesting. In, in, in Classic this time, when everybody was playing, in a 40-man raid composition, most high-end guilds were running you know, 15 to 20 warriors. So that means 50% of your raid was one class which is just really disappointing huh. and kind of frustrating. Yeah. So it, there's a lot more diversity amongst the classes. Also, hybrid classes are much more viable. And what a hybrid class is, is a class that can do multiple roles. So like a druid can tank, they can heal, they okay. can DPS. A shaman can DPS, they can do melee or ranged, and they can heal. Hybrid classes become much more viable, and they bring a lot more to the table, which makes them much more sought after, which is pretty cool. Um, they also added some new elements to PvP. The first real competitive PvPing um, starts in the Burning Crusade, so that's a big excitement. And that's oh, also flying. Flying is the other big thing. So you get flying mounts at a certain point, um, which is pretty fun. That's the other thing, too, is I've been enjoying a lot. So before Burning Crusade came out, I farmed a bunch of gold, and I bought a bunch of stuff off the auction house that I assumed would be worth a lot of money in the Burning Crusade, just kind of based on realistically just kind of based on certain things that I knew would probably go up or down. And I was right in a lot of cases. So I ended up taking, you know, oh, wow. and flipping 2000 gold, which 2000 gold is a lot of money. It is a lot of gold. And I've probably flipped it into like 15 or 16,000 gold so far, uh, which it's really fun. I always really enjoy playing nice. the auction house and, you know, buying and selling and flipping and stuff. I always find that to be a, a really fascinating sort of side thing to do. Cause when we were leveling, it was like, okay, we would, uh, do dungeons for like six hours right or something like that and we take like an hour break and we'd eat and relax whatever and i would go to the auction house and i would sit there and buy stuff and flip stuff and sell stuff and then you know go organize my bank alts and and then you know eat or whatever and then we go back to doing dungeons there's there's a variety of things to do that not everybody enjoys by all by all means i really enjoy you know organizing bank alts and figuring out ways to maximize money and different things like that i find it really really interesting so there's a, there's a nice little variety of gameplay especially for people like me um, that has been exceptionally enjoyable so far. 
One time on Final Fantasy fourteen, I discovered that uh, there was a store nearby the market board that was selling, forgot what it was, some random like resource or something for, basically I figured out that the market price was about 33% higher than what it was actually selling for if you just bought it from an NPC. So uh, I just too. So yeah, I just bought like as much as I could and sold it on the market for just you know straight profit. Yeah, I do that all time. No joke, I do that because there's uh, for trade skills like cooking and fishing and first aid. People don't want to have to go to the vendor that sells it. They'd rather just buy it at the auction house. So I'll buy it from the vendor for eighty silver and sell it for you know two point five three gold. So I'll basically uh, quadruple my investment if I'm lucky <laughs> on the high end. And so I'll buy like fifty of them and I'll put like one or two up and then I'll let them sell. Then I'll put one or two up and then let them sell. And just do that over and over and over. And there's a couple items I found like that as well that I that I do the same thing with. So people are like, ah, fuck it. I don't want to have to go out there and you know grab it because it might be somewhere far away. I'd rather just spend you know two or three gold because gold is uh, gold becomes a little less valuable in Burning Crusade. You you accumulate more gold than you did at a faster rate. So people are like, ah, fuck it. I'll just you know basically buy the item off the auction house and save myself time. And I'm like, yes, you will. Thank you. Come again. Um, our friend Cody uh, Cody. Con- Yes, Cody Connors. No, yeah. I forgot his fucking name for a second. Uh, on eBay, on what the hell am I trying to do right now? Twitter. Start Twitter. this over. Cody Connors. Oh, over again. <laughs> he was. Uh, he worked with us when we uh, bringing up uh, player e- manager. Evil Geniuses yeah. again. Yeah, he he was a player manager when Jay and I worked for Evil Geniuses. Anyway, he said something on Twitter a couple weeks ago that I thought was just brilliant. Um, he said. For decades, MMO developers and their marketing teams have promised a WoW killer, and the only game that has been able to deliver it is actually an older version of WoW. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Isn't that nuts? It's insane. I have a, I have a really good Cody Connors story. Cody Connors is, is an exceptional human being. He is a hipster at heart. He's just a, a really good person, and he was a player manager for EG, so we got the chance to interact with him a lot, and we were at... Um, I think IP, one of the IPLs, we were in Vegas and it was the after party after we got done working. We were downstairs and this is back when the Korean players were, they weren't like, there weren't a ton of Korean players that came to the came, came to the West to compete. It was still in the early days when it was, you know, predominantly like uh, basically North American, North Americans fighting North Americans. And then occasionally some Koreans would come out and like, play like in some the, of the, like the main, like the main South Koreans, like the main top five or six or maybe would come. Yeah. And so Slayers was, a, 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 by the way, I'm watching GSL again. I'm watching it from start. I love watching Starcraft, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I watched a ton of Starcraft while leveling too. Uh, so uh, there, there was a team, a really famous team at the time called Slayers and it was owned by, I think it was owned by Boxer and his wife, Jessica, if I'm not mistaken. I th- yeah, they, and, they eventually, I don't know if they owned it the whole time. I know they eventually came to own it or, or maybe they did the whole time, but yeah. It was something like that, but they had these really, really dope jackets. I mean, they were exceptional jackets and everybody wanted them and everybody was always bothering them to sell them on the store or something <laughs> like that. And uh, so Cody was trying to get one from one of the players, Ryung. It was, uh, I, think he, I think he played... I think he was Terran. He was a Terran player. And uh, he, he was trying to convince him. He was like, hey, like, give me your jacket. And Ryung was like, no, no, Jessica, who's the, the co-owner, will kill me and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, okay, okay well, let me just try it on. And so Ryung's like, okay, okay, like, you know, if you can try it on. And by the way, this is after everybody's been drinking for a couple hours. It's probably like four in the morning. So, and after working all day too. So everybody's like super tired at this point. And so he's like trying it on. He's like, yeah, I really like this. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you see what he's doing, right? 
Ben Rugg's like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, he's like, he's trying to get you comfortable without the jacket. And so he just this look of death. And he, he like afterwards, he messaged me on Twitter or, or he texted me or something. And he's just like, I will never forgive you. Like I was so close to getting the jacket and you just had to ruin it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, asshole. That was, a, that was a good one. I mean, I wanted one too. Piece of shit. Yeah, those were cool. I remember everybody wanted them. They were dope jackets. The well, heyday of StarCraft. Wow. In the Burning Crusade, one of the things you said it introduced was, or or made viable, was dual classes. You know what? Say, no, well, you know yes, what? you can't like switch specs on the fly. You have to commit to one generally, but the ability that multiple portions of a hybrid class are viable. If okay. That makes sense. Well, you yeah. know what other game has hybrid classes? Uh, I'm going to go with Icewind Dale. Icewind Dale 2. Maybe the first yeah. one does also. So uh, Icewind Dale 2 came out for PC in 2002. And that was our kind of borderline last minute change to game of the quarter for this time around. Instead of uh, Guild Wars, which Jay would not have been able to devote enough time to, we switched it to uh, Icewind Dale 2. Yeah, and thanks for doing that. And I apologize to the viewers if that, if that seems like weird. But realistically, Robert and I talked about for a couple of weeks of playing and playing and playing and just... It, it just didn't happen. Like something would happen, something would happen, something would happen. And realistically, if we're going to talk about a game for game of the quarter, I want to I want to make sure that we actually get a chance to play it extensively before obviously we talk about it. So uh, yeah. I, realistically, we will play Guild Wars at some point because I do want you to try playing Guild Wars. Okay. Well, uh, so Icewind yeah. Dale, too, so you kind of started playing this a little bit and uh, and you were telling me about it. And I was like, this sounds kind of fun. Do you want to just do this one instead? That's kind of how it came about. So you were the first person to, to start playing it. You're, you're still kind of where the idea came from. So why don't you give us the quick rundown? I'll, I'll just say it's a CRPG. It's a Dungeons and Dragons licensed game. It's based on D&D uh, third edition rules. And Jay, why don't you uh, kind of give us the, the lead off from there? Sure. Yeah, and I talked about this for the podcast before I played it. Uh, at least I think I talked about the podcast. Oh, hey. I knew, yeah, because I've played it before. I just it's it's a game, and Robert and I will kind of talk about this. It is a game that when you sit down to play it, you really can't do anything else. You can't you know be in a call with other people and play and talk. You you realistically have to be one hundred percent dedicated to this game because you will die a lot already, and if you are not paying attention, you will die even more. This is a very difficult game. Requires a lot of a lot of um, a lot of attention in, in all seriousness. So the way this game works is when we initially start it, you basically, as Robert said, it's very very D and D set. So the setting is very D and D esque. So you basically can select a pre existing party, or you can excuse me build your own party. And your your party size is six, correct? Yes. Yeah. So so Robert and I both made realistically the right decision, but also the wrong decision at the same time. Okay. Yeah, just just tell me, Robert. You can say it over the thing. Hold on. Okay, back I'm away a little if you can. Maybe because I'm talking too loud, too. I wonder... Because when I get excited, I talk louder. Maybe so. so. Maybe more excited you get, you don't need to back that, that much farther away from the microphone. Is that better? I think so. Okay. So, Robert and I both decided, because when I started playing, what I did is I sat down and I designed three of my characters. And it took me two hours. Like, oh my gosh, no joke. It takes so it took, long. It takes a long time. So, so the, the shitty part about it is the ordering of which you, de you design <laughs> your character is kind of in a, in a moronic pattern. And, Robert, do you remember the exact ordering it is? Uh, yes, I believe so. So, typically, when you want to roll a character in a 
D&D game or any kind of RPG where you can create your own character from scratch, you're like, okay, I want a character that's this class. Okay, now what? Now or you pick your race. Or maybe you pick or maybe you pick your race first, but you know like what you know like that kind of leads into class in a lot of cases. So race or class first doesn't necessarily make a huge difference, but you have something in mind and then you kind of go from there. Like I want a strong character. Okay, let's go from there and see what I have. In this one, first you first you pick the sex of the character. Then you pick the race, then you pick the class, which doesn't really sound that bad, but you and I both had the same exact reaction, which was like Wait, wait, hold on. I don't know. I, I don't know yet. I don't know if I want this to be a girl or, or a dude yet. I need to figure out what class they're going to be and what race they're going to be and then kind of go from there to kind of create the person that I want. Because the reason you can't, the reason it's difficult to figure that, the reason it's difficult to say, okay, I'm going to create a barbarian and he's going to be this race. Now let me start here. Okay, yeah, he's going to be a male or whatever. The reason it's difficult to, to think about it beforehand in this game is because there are so many classes there are a bunch there are a bunch of classes and a bunch of subclasses so you really it's very difficult to plan your character ahead of time so it would have been extremely helpful if they started off and said okay what class do you want all right what race do you want now let's pick the sex and and, and then get into some of the details yeah, and, and to Robert's point, there are an obscene amount of classes, and not only that, there's an obscene amount of subclasses. So even when you decide, like, I'm going to make a cleric, okay, which kind of cleric do you want? And then you look, and there's, you know, eight or nine different clerics. And then some of those may have even subclasses within those. <laughs> so it's it's really challenging when you, cause, so what I would do, do when I make characters, I would click any, any gender, and then I would click any race, and then I would start looking at the class and be like, okay, uh, this is the class I want to make. Oh, okay, this is the subclass I want to make. Okay, great. And then I'd be like, what race should I be? And then I'd, you know, figure it out from there. And then I'd basically have to start from scratch, go back from the beginning, and then basically make that character. Yeah, because let me, let me point out, you can't just go back and change. If you want to go back and change the six, which yeah. again is the first thing, then you have to redo everything else that you had done since then. So you're basically deleting all of the choices you made and you just have to remember, okay, yeah, I picked this fucking kind of wizard. Now I'm going to undo everything, go back, pick my sex, then pick my race again, now pick my class again, and then move forward. Yeah, and it was it was very time-consuming. And realistically, you know, like I said, I sat down, I mapped out three characters, and then I took a break, you know, came back the next day, and then I designed my other three characters and then move forward. And you you can't, like, pause it. You have to basically recreate them all over again. Yeah, so. you can't pause it or save it during creation. So, yeah, you just have to remember, like, kind of same thing as if you're backing up. You just have to remember all of the d choices you made for what they're going to be like and then go back and just redo them all. Which, also, like, another part, that, another reason it takes so long is because there are so many details you have to read about all the different classes. Oh, yeah. And you have to like learn what all these class, you know, you have to learn what the different, what the what the ten different wizards are like, and then the you know eight different sorcerers, and then you know uh, there's races and stuff as well. But you like it takes a long time to see. Okay, what's the difference between this sorcerer and that sorcerer, or a wizard and a sorcerer, or a you know a, a thief and a ranger, or whatever it is? Like, there's a, there are a lot of details that you have to read. So along with it kind of being in a in a weird order to create it, it takes a long time just to learn what the different classes are like. 
Yeah, I will say they do give you like a suggestion. So, so like I said, we said before, there is a way to just do like a preset. So, if, you know, if anybody's thinking about playing this and they don't want to set their map out their characters, you can do presets. I just don't feel nearly as attached to a party if I don't go through and custom make it. I just, I think it's part of the journey for, from my perspective. So you can do presets. And even if you, um, even if you, what was I going to say? Uh, even if you... Oh, as you're as you're doing the the custom parties when you're sitting there making your you know your party from scratch, one of the cool parts about it is it does recommend like, hey, you probably want to have at least one or two of these in your group. Hey, you oh, probably really? want to have at least one of these. Yeah, it tells you like I think it was like you want to have um, at least one warrior, and then it was like at least one rogue or ranger. Like it tells you because basically it's alluding to some of the the secondary mechanics or the the some of the positive aspects of having those classes in your group that they bring for it. Sort of like the the buffs, if you will, that they, they bring to your group. So sure. And, and um, I, will, I, that. I will say aside of it taking very long to create a party, I did feel like all of the classes and subclasses were interesting enough and unique enough to, to be warranted. Um, and, you know, as long as you're not trying to make a party of, you know, all wizards or something like that, they also were all, pretty viable you know as long as your general party composition was smart so uh, there's a lot of freedom in the characters you create and it really allows you to get into the role-playing aspect of it um and so ultimately all this stuff is for the better the the party creation the flexibility and the options you have are all really cool it just the only bad side is like we were saying it just takes forever to get started Yeah, that, that was exactly my thought as well. It's it's um ma making the parties was was definitely enjoyable. There there were some cool aspects to it, but it yeah, after a while I was like, okay, especially when I got to like my four excuse me, my fifth and sixth characters, I was just like, all right, I can almost I'm almost there. Like I just need to figure out what these last two things is and then kinda go from there. So By the way, uh quick quick update on the Vaughn situation. He says that there are some major storms in his area that have caused an outage. And he has no idea if or when he's going to get internet back. So we may not see him again tonight. People are going to think we're memeing. So, all right, I promise you. <laughs> so, uh, all right, yeah. So go on with Icewind Dale. Sorry. Lost so, yeah. Time. So th this game is, is uh, it's fascinating. You know, the, when you drop into the world, you basically have the option to do a lot of different things. You can interact with people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dialogue. Some of it is voice acted. Most of it is not. It's usually just the main stories that have any sort of voice acting to them. Um, which is not surprising. I will say the voice acting, for the most part, is pretty darn good. I enjoyed it. The music is great. Uh, it sets a really good tone for the game. Yeah, the music's I, I, really good. Yeah, it, it's it's impressive. Like, and also, we talk about a lot of games with impressive music, and I thought this game had had pretty darn good music, especially for the time. Uh, the visuals are good. You know, the, you, you pan pretty far away from your characters. So, I mean, I, I think the graphics were fine. It, it was it was one of the things where I generally knew. Where, what, what I was looking at, you know, based on the details. The only challenge I had at times was when you're walking close to buildings or objects and you would lose sight of your characters or the pathing would be a little bit weird. But once you sort of understood how your characters would path based on objects, it wasn't really that much of a challenge. I don't know if you had a similar sentiment. Pathing w was terrible. Okay. I, I didn't think it was that bad, but I did, definitely had some challenges. Dude, I had major challenges the whole time. I okay. thought it was... 
the worst pathing that I've seen in a video game possibly ever. Wow. Like, like constantly, I would tell... Maybe I should have picked, like, a different formation or something, because you know how you can, you can do that? Yeah, 100%. Um, but, like, if I was in a town, I would tell my guys to go somewhere, and then, like, one of them would be like, oh, well, there's somebody standing in front of me right this second, so I'm going to have to walk all the way around the entire town this this roundabout ass way to get to this door because uh yeah this de- this per- the, this other party member in front of me they're definitely never going to move cuz they're definitely not trying to get where I'm going so I'm going to go backwards loop around three houses and then come up from like the other side to get to this door no it was my the pa- the pathfinding f- w- of when I played it was was ridiculous once I started to understand how the characters would move and react, I didn't have nearly, nearly as much of an issue. You definitely have to babysit them a lot. I, I yes. can definitely agree to that. I did keybind certain groupings of my characters to keep better tabs on them. Um, but I realistically, once I started getting the nuance of it, I didn't have nearly as much issue. Early on, yeah, it was really frustrating, but, you know. Yeah, so, all right, well, let's talk about gameplay. Because um, we haven't really done that yet. Uh, so... This is kind of a, so it's very much, you know, if you've, if you've played a and d based CRPG, it's, it's kind of like probably what you've played. It's, you know, really along those lines of something like Baldur's Gate, where the encounters you have with bad, so first of all, there's, there's, you know, it's fairly, well, at least in the early parts of the game, you know, fairly story heavy. Um, yeah. Not that there's a lot of dialogue, but that they, I mean, I guess there is, but it's more than just, there, there's there's a lot to be done where you're walking around and talking to people, maybe even optionally, um, again, in the early game. Uh, and you're making decisions and choosing, you know, whether to go on, whether to help this or that person do do this thing or that thing. But when it comes to battle, it's very not, it's very much not just, mash a and attack you're gonna get very quickly stomped if you do that you really really do have to think about your tactics that you're going to use in a battle there's even some positions based stuff that you have to take into account with some of the spells and abilities and stuff like that um but you always have to think about okay i need to cast this with this guy i'm gonna let this guy you know stay, these two guys stay in the front and tank I'm going to have my, you know, what, maybe range deep. A lot. Huh? <laughs> I had my rogue sneak to the back and assassinate. Oh, did you? I didn't do that much. Yeah. I, I left, I, I had them keep to the bow and arrow most of the time. I maybe should have done that a little bit more. It's fun. They do so much damage when they open on people. It's crazy. But you really, really have to think about the battles because like the first few battles, it's, it's, it's nuts. The first few battles are actually fairly easy. Like the first maybe four or five battles that you get into is like your party versus a few goblins. And then you get to a certain part in the story, not very far in, like maybe an hour, hour and a half in. And all of a sudden, every encounter is you versus eight or ten goblins. And it like the the difficulty just like skyrockets all of a sudden. Like you just hit this cliff. And then you're and you're going to be losing battles all the time and constantly saving and reloading. Like you had the same experience too, right? Where it like all of a sudden just became super intense. Yep, hundred percent. It ramped up the 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 difficulty ramped up so quickly. I was not ready for it. Yeah, I was not either. And then it stays. 
it stays that way for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, after you get done with the part of the story early on where there's a lot of goblins, then there are a lot of orcs. And, uh, and of course, as you're fighting them, you're also leveling up, which as a side note, the leveling system for this game under the, so you wouldn't probably know you, well, you wouldn't notice this unless you looked into it, but I was reading about it and under the hood, the leveling system is very strange. Part of what determines how many experience you points you get is what level your character is. And even I think what level the lowest level character in your party is, Mm. if I remember correctly. So it's not just, you know, an orc is worth 15 experience points. You get an orc is worth more if your level is lower, which is really a strange thing. But because of that one common strategy in the game is to keep your guys lower level and don't, don't level them up immediately because this is one, this is one of the games where, when it's time to level up, you manually level them. You know, you get a little icon that, that shows you that they're ready to be leveled up, but they don't automatically just go to the next level because there are a lot of de- decisions you, ha- you have to make when they level. So if you keep them there for a while, they're going to be lower level. So they're going to be accumulating more uh, experience points. So if you can afford to, if you're doing good enough to where you can afford to keep some of your, you know, more, at least just one or two of your guys at a lower level for a little while, then you'll ultimately get more experience points because of that. Um, but on that note, leveling in this game, I thought was really fun because when you do level, you're actually making important choices for that, that are continuing to shape what the character is going to be like, what role they're going to have in your party, and even what spells and kind of and stuff they're going to have. It's not just, okay, I get more HP and strength and dex. Yeah, more stats. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it's not set. In fact, most of the time you don't get more stats besides, besides, uh, besides HP. Um, usually it's HP and then you pick some abilities and things like that. And there, there's that to me, that may, that's a lot more fun to have to make decisions at the leveling process, as opposed to like the JRPG approach, which is just, you know, every number goes up a little bit. Yeah. It feels very progressive. Like your characters, you feel when your characters get stronger and they get new abilities, you feel it in all seriousness. It is a substantial difference. It's really exciting. And when, you, when you're when you struggling at times, you're like, I can't beat these battles. And then you level, you're like, oh, I might be able to do it now. Like it is a significant difference when you level. It is. And you, um, you also have to, so this is, again, this is D&D rules where you don't have like a mana pool. You have spell slots where you can cast certain numbers, uh, a certain number of, you know, level one, you know, depending on what level your character is, you can cast a certain number of level one spells until you rest, certain lo- number of level two spells until you rest, and so on and so forth. Um, I found that, like, once you get to, again, f- pretty early on, once you get to the point where the the battles become difficult, you really just have to start burning through spells and then just rest after every battle. Like, yeah, there were very to few times... There are very few times where I would finish a battle and be like, all right, bring them on. Let's go to the next one. And I would always have to back off and rest so that I could, because I had to burn so many spells. I had to use so much, you know, I, I lost so much HP. Um, I really, after every individual battle, I would try to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, what was, so tell me about your party real quick. Uh, <laughs> you don't, you don't have to go down and give me everybody, but like, one interesting thing that I found is I went for 
one of my characters. So I did a tank, uh, a sort of tanky, just melee DPS. A bruiser. Yeah, a bruiser. Yeah, a tank, a bruiser, uh, a ranged DPS, which was mm-hmm. my ranger, uh, a cleric, which is which is a healer, and then a sorcerer and a wizard. The difference between sorcerer and wizard in, I, I guess, probably D&D in general, but at least in this game is sorcerer gets a lot of casts but they don't get a lot of uh variety of spells wizard is the opposite you can get like a large variety of spells but you don't get to cast that much and i sort of treat actually the way i built my wizard character as i made him sort of a gandalf character where he doesn't really have a lot of attacking spells he has a lot of utility spells a lot of stuff that you know plenty of spells that help out in battle but also a lot that help out outside of battle like his uh, arcana was very high, and I also gave him the uh, the identify spell. So that was actually, even though he kind of sucked in battle, at least in the early game, um, he was an incredibly helpful character for me to have because you get so many items throughout the game that are unidentified, and all I had to do was hand it to him. And usually I didn't even have to use the identify spell because his arcana was so high. I could just literally, I just put the item in his inventory and, it, and then look at it and, it, and he could instantly figure out what it was. And if he couldn't, then I would use use Identify, uh, you know, for like the one or two uses I had until we rested. But it was really cool, I thought, that I was able to build a party with one guy that wasn't even really a fighter, but he had other responsibilities and he was actually useful and it was actually a viable way to, to play. Did you do anything like that or did you just base yours on combat? A little bit. So I had I had like a a paladin tank. I had a monk, like an orc monk bruiser, as like secondary backup. I had a rogue, a ranger, some form of a caster that I ultimately turned into a summoner because I wanted to have oh, summons. Cool. And yeah, then yeah. Oh, a, a healer. Yeah, I had like sort of a healer, but they also had a lot of utility, kind of what you're talking about as well, uh, which was really cool. Like there was so much diversity. It really sucked because. When I was like mapping out my abilities, I'm like, I want all of these. Like th- these all seem interesting and situational. And I was really disappointed because I wanted to keep doing more and more with my characters. But every time I'd level, I'd be like, oh, look at all this. I, I want all this now too. And it just, it- it- this game definitely warrants multiple playthroughs. Do you think so? I think so. I mean, I- unless your characters can get to a point where they have everything. There's just so much. I feel like you could do so many different builds. Okay, well, yes, I agree with that. I agree mm-hmm. with that, that there are many viable builds that you could, that you can try. However, mm-hmm. um, so I really liked this game. I remember I messaged you one day. I was like, holy crap, this game is so much fun. Like, <laughs> thanks for making us play it. Um, I got about, let me pull it up and see how far I got in. I got pretty, like, more than 10 hours in probably, which I don't even think is... A quarter of the way through. Like, I think this is a yeah, pretty I don't long think so game. Either. Um, damn. A cor- okay. Take this with a grain of salt because I have had Gog massively overstate the amount of time I've spent on games before. Gog says I have played this for 25 hours. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if that was true. Um, that, that could be true or maybe pretty close, but like. <laughs> When I played Blade Runner, for instance, before I even launched the game for the first time, it said I had played for 100 hours. What? (laughs) So, yeah, so maybe 25, maybe not, but I've played this a lot. And 
I eventually got burned out because I got to the point where it was just the story had come like grinded to a halt almost. And it was just encounter after encounter after encounter. It's just like, you're in a new area. Okay. Mm. You're trying to do this. Okay. There are, you're in a, You got to go to a cave and have like eight encounters with, you know, each where you're fighting 12 orcs at a time. Then you go back out to the woods then you have to follow a path and it's just another encounter after another encounter. It was like this, like I was really wanting to see where the story was going. The, the bite, the fights were good. And like, I really did enjoy the fact that they're pretty difficult and you really have to think through all of them. But eventually I got burned out because as I said, like I got to a point where it was like, they stopped caring about the story and they were just throwing hordes and hordes of bad guys at me just to kind of, it felt like just to make the game last longer. Mm. how far did you get um i'm trying to remember which part of the story i got into i probably played for a total of like 15 hours in total uh-huh. so i remember i escaped the city i did all the quests afterwards when you escape the city and have to basically uh get through like kind of the i, th- I think it was like the snowy areas where you start fighting the orcs i got through all of that i'm trying to remember what happens next the snowier is that where you have to um is that where they're like uh, they're they're taking over this bridge you got to go yeah i think the first part of like after you escape that the city of the first yeah the very first time that sounds about right okay yeah yeah so like honestly from where you are very little progresses story-wise you get back interesting you get back and they're like oh we got these scouts you got to go help them out so you go to another you like kind of new location on the map and then you talk to this one person and then it's like, all right, clear them out. And it's just fight after fight, after fight, after fight, after fight, after fight. Mm. So yeah, even though I really did like the, the, the battle system, it eventually just became like, like nothing new is happening anymore. Sure. And uh, so, so even though I did really like the, the, the amount that I played and I, I do think this is a fun game. I did get to the point where I was like, okay, I've, I've had enough. Like it's just the same stuff over and over now. It made me want to play um, some, some newer games in that, in that realm. I'm trying to think of the one that everybody played right now. There's one that I have for, that I got for steam and switch. That is exceptionally good. I can't think of the name, but I pulled really? up, but I, I don't, but anyways, yeah, like I, I, it makes me want to play more of these types of games because I, I imagine like my one of my close friends Zach, he, he, he has played these games for out like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours he has spent on these types of games. So I always really admired like his interest in it. But I totally get it. I mean, this game, I, I was, I was engrossed in the story for the first bit for sure. Like I definitely was trying to, um, you know, choose the right things, make sure to set my characters up for success and. It was very challenging at times. Like there are some people that are just absolutely obnoxious in that game. You're like, I'm fucking done. Like I'm not gonna try. Like, do you remember when you go to the bar at the? It's one of the first quests you do. You go to the bar and you're supposed to find these. I think they're like military personnel that yeah. are yeah, yeah. supposed to be doing a job and they're not. So you go talk to them and they're just absolute dicks. You're like, dude, I'm here on a job. I'm, yeah. know, I'm supposed to pay you and get you over here. And they're like, not nah, fuck off. Like go do your like whatever, bro. Do your thing. It's like okay, dude, I'm here for this. Like, I need you to come with me. And they're like, mm, nope, we're good. It's like, okay, yeah. uh, last time, if you don't come with me, we're going to have a problem. And they're like, oh, well, let's have a problem then. And then you fucking kill them. <laughs> and then the bar keeps, and then you talk to the barkeep, like, look, I'm really sorry for the mess. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. But pay me some gold for the mess. And you're like, so now it's like, I either have to kill the barkeep 
which you don't want to do, or I have to pay this barkeep for killing people that wouldn't do what I needed to do. So it's like, you have those types of decisions, which I ended up paying the barkeep. I don't know if you did the same, Robert. I was kind of curious what the alternative was. Actually, I was able to convince them to come help to come help me and do their job. Oh, that's all you were. I, I didn't have the capability of doing so. I tried. So what I tried not to do at all is if I went through a series of an event, I tried not to go and load and do it a different way. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like I would just get like obsessed with doing that and get lost in the sauce. So I just tried to keep doing, you know, the same path, whatever I was doing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was able to to get them to come and help. But um, the uh, one of the first off, what was one thing that I just thought of that that I thought of when you, when you were saying like how that you went to the talk to the bartender or whatever. Um, so I would be very careful about who in my party I had, I would have talked to a person yeah. if we were doing something, especially in a mission. Cause I read somewhere that if you have a character who's basically too nice and not like, uh, or maybe doesn't have enough charisma or isn't savvy enough in whatever way and whatever stat, Sometimes, like, they would not ask for payment for doing, like, a quest. Oh, interesting. And you just miss out on however much gold you forget for that. Because they're like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. We were, you know, we just did it to uphold justice or whatever. Whereas, you know, another character would be like, all right, yeah, so how, you you know, so about, so about that payment we discussed. So That's funny, actually. That was a really cool and interesting thing I thought about the, uh, th- that I thought was neat about the game. That's a little detail. Um. Another thing that you reminded me of talking about talking to the the those mercenaries is that there are there's some really funny dialogue and like very fun and like funny other things in this game. When I was talking to I don't know if you got this line or not, but when I was talking to those guys, they were they basically said like oh you know they they're gonna have to pay us more to help with this with this problem, and one of them says uh says no coin no service, and one of the things one of my options in response was. Uh, I believe I heard your mother say the same thing. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and then like, there's this one guy that you go up and talk to at one point and uh, he's kind of standing near some, like some gear that, that belongs to him, I think. And one he was like, he says, you know, like, Hey, what's going on or whatever. One of your, one of my options then was to say, Oh, uh, not, not much really. I just noticed that you're standing between me and that awesome looking shield right now. <laughs> In other words, like, I'm going to, you know, I'm taking this from you. Get out of my way. Uh, and then also there's this, there's a, do you remember there's a barrel that like early on that these guys are shooting with a, a bow and arrow and they're trying to get it to fall. And they have like a bet on who can get it to fall. And like, if you, whoever gets it to fall first, like, you know, wins the bet and you can, you can choose to try to get it to fall down. If, if you try to, if you try to shoot the barrel down, which I, I wasn't able to get it down. But when you hover the icon over it and where it normally says like a person's name or the name of the object that you're pointing at, it said smug looking barrel. <laughs> so uh, stuff like that was really funny. Uh, one other thing that I just remember that was a bit of a pain was looting corpses. Oh, yeah. Looting corpses <laughs> and inventory management. God. Looting corpses. I didn't. So I didn't have much trouble with inventory uh. management because. I had a a dwarf who was my tank, and I also gave him uh, whatever the whatever the for carrying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The feet for carrying or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I had him, and then you know you have six guys, so you might have to kind of juggle stuff around a little bit. But ultimately, it, it wasn't very bad for me. But looting bodies when you're done killing them is such a pain. You have to go to each individual mm-hmm. one, click on it, 
click on each individual item that you want from it, then close that, click on the next pile of stuff, click on everything individual you want from there, including gold. Uh, that was a pain. Yeah, it was really annoying to do. That that was something I was not a huge fan of, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's about that's that's all I can think of. Like again, really cool game. I got, it got too repetitive for me eventually, but the time I did play with it, I had a lot of fun. Anything else about it that we uh that we've that we've left out? I feel the same way as you. As I was kind of nearing uh my time, you know, the end of my time playing this. I really did want to play another game like this. Yeah. I, I well, what I was thinking about what was funny is like if I had played this as a kid and actually like spent the time to get into it as much as I did so far, like I, I played it as a kid and it was I liked it, but I didn't get it. You know what I mean? Because it was just yeah. a lot to to grasp at it as a child. Holy crap, man! If I knew how good this game was and I played this as like a twelve or thirteen year old kid. See you next year. That is going to be something I'm going to be doing nonstop for several months. <laughs> yeah, uh, it it is. On on that note, when you first launch the game and you, you've built your party and then you start playing, it is a little bit uh, intimidating at first to figure out like how do I play the damn Basic game commands. now? Yeah, basic commands, especially when it comes to casting spells, using abilities, and that kind of stuff. Um, but. It took me like, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes of playing to where I pretty where I ended up feeling pretty comfortable with everything. And then it just really does become pretty fun. One thing, tell me if you haven't ever even noticed this in your time playing it, because I didn't notice this until my guys had leveled up like maybe four times. But after you level, then you have to separately for your spellcasters that you have to go pick their spells that they have ready. Did you yeah, ever, yeah. Did, okay, you did You did catch on to that. Okay. Yeah, it, I, think it took me to figure it out. I, I didn't get it at first, and I kept fucking it up, but then once I started to get the grasp of it, yeah, that definitely took me some time to getting used to, though, and to remember to do it. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't notice at first, and then I was, like, looking at one of my guy's spells, and it says, you know, spell slots available, like, two out of four or something. I'm like, wait a minute, so you're telling me I'm, I can assign more spells, and then, I, mm-hmm. then it sort of started to make more sense. So, uh, yeah, there's Icewind Dale 2, our game of the Great quarter. Great game. Absolutely fantastic game. I'm really, I'm really happy you got a chance to play it, too. And I'm glad you liked it. I yeah. thought it was really fun. Yeah, it was a solid one. Okay, so um, next game of the quarter. Jay, last time when I picked, I picked a game that I specifically just wanted to f- basically force you to play. Not mm-hmm. that I thought you would hate it, but I was like, I got to find out. I got to finally get Jay's thoughts on, on monkey Island. So this time let's, I'm not going to let you pick, but I'm going to let, well, I'm going to let you pick from a pool of games that I've cobbled together. These are all games that I've recently kind of felt like I wanted to play. And so I just kind of threw them all over here and uh, I'm going to give you the list and let you pick which one of these we do. Why are you going to put so much pressure on me, Robert? (laughs) Are you, are you ready? Okay. First is Chibi Robo. This is a GameCube game. It's kind of like a, an adventure, sort of like a problem-solving adventure game. My understanding is, so you you play a little robot in a house. My understanding is you're trying to do little things around the house to uh, like help the family, like just to help out, just to help the family. And uh, there's kind of like some family drama stuff going on and stuff like that, but you're a little robot just trying to help. 
Interesting. Uh, oh, so what system is this for? It's GameCube. Okay. Uh, Ratchet and Clank for PS2. I've been hearing a lot about the mm-hmm. new Ratchet and Clank game uh, for PS5, and I it's kind of it's in hearing about it. I've kind of been hearing about like how much people really seem to like this series. I've never played it, so uh, so Ratchet and Clank is one that I would like to check out sometime. The next one is Front Mission for Nintendo DS. Uh, just search this one up, and it looks kind of badass to me. Um, it is a tactics game. It's like a mech-based tactics game. Oh, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, I think it looks really cool. Uh, that one has my, has my attention so far. Okay. We could do Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen for Super Nintendo, another tactics game that's supposed to be amazing. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, Any... Well, let's say Metroid 2, or which is Game Boy, or Ooh. Metroid Fusion. I was going to say any Metroid game, but I, don't, but I, I might... Make it later on, don't worry. Huh? I wouldn't make you play Prime. Yeah, I don't want to play Prime, and I've and I've already played you know the the original Nintendo one as well as the Super Nintendo one. If you really wanted to do one of those, I, I would I would consider going back, but I haven't played the Game Boy Metroid Two or Metroid Fusion, so uh, those would be out. Those would be my preferences if you want to do a Metroid game. I'm um, still stuck on the uh, Mech Mech Tactics game. I'll be honest with you. Okay, okay. Uh, you're are you, are you familiar at all with Ogre Battle? Like, do you know anything of, about it? Because yeah, a little bit, a okay. little bit. Okay, because that was another one that I thought of that you. I was like, Jay might like this one because he liked tactics games. Uh, Star Fox sixty four, or Ooh. or Suikoden for PS one. I haven't played Star Fox in a long time. So it sounds like you're kind of Star Fox and Front Mission yeah. sounded like the biggest ones. I know you kind of seemed a little bit interested in Metroid, but. More so, Metroid. Is... I I played through a number of Metroid games when I was in college, like as much as I could. So I, I'm I'm more leaning towards the mech strategy or mech mech turn based game. And uh, what was the last one you Star said? Star Fox sixty four. Star Fox sixty four. Yeah, I would say one of those two. If you want to make the old final decision of those two. Hmm. Let me think about it. You think about it too. If you, if. Over the course of the rest of this episode, I'll see. I know where my boat would be. I know where my boat would land. So you I do. Mm-hmm. Which one would you pick? I picked the uh, mech strategy game because I, I I didn't recognize the title. I don't know that I've played it before. So let me double check. It'd be interesting. Let me double check the release date. Okay, so this okay, so front mission. Damn, evidently it originally came out in 1995. The DS version came out in 2007, um, but it's the same. I don't, you know, there might be some minor improvements, but okay. So, so, but long story short, it is a classic game. Even though the DS version came out in 2007, the uh, the game itself came out uh, originally in '95. So uh, you want you want to you want to just go with it? You want to do front mission? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So front mission, uh, 
again, it came out on Super Famicom originally. Evidently, there was also a PlayStation port, but that one also stayed in Japan. Then it was finally released for Nintendo DS. Uh, so th- that, that's the version we'll be playing is the DS version of Front Mission, which again is a uh, pretty sweet looking uh, mech tactics game. So, uh, all right, Front Mission it is. Let me write it down here. I don't remember when or where I heard about this game, but I saw it and I kind of felt the same before. way as you. I was like, this looks kind of badass. Okay, sweet. So that's what we'll do then. Uh, now it's time. For emails. Oh, interesting. What's that? The music. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, we did have a question for Vaughn via via Twitter from from Chris Penwell. Uh, he, was, he, he, he tells us to ask Vaughn about Taylor Swift and high school urinals in Idaho. We'll have to check with him next time about... Interesting. Taylor Swift and high school urinals in Idaho. Hopefully, maybe we'll maybe maybe Vaughn will come back on next time or, or some other time soon, and we can ask him about those. Uh, but in the, in the meantime, Jay, do you have any thoughts or opinions on Taylor Swift and high school urinals in Idaho? In Idaho, literally zero thoughts. Okay, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of there with you. So sorry, Chris, that we didn't get we didn't get Vaughn's insight on those topics this time. Let's see, we've got three emails. First of these comes from uh, Ryan, who we have not heard from in a while. Ryan says, uh, I came back to the podcast a couple episodes ago, but as usual, I struggle to make time to write an email. So I figured I'd just write uh, an email as soon as the episode comes out. I like the new format without the top five. It shortens the podcast enough that I think I'll remember all the things I think about to say when I get around to writing an email. It also feels like less of a time investment. Robert needs to step up his speed run with ta- oh, with tater tots if he's going to get on the board. You remember me and my daughter had a, had a tater tot contest. Food oh, race, yeah, that's right. Food racing with kids is always fun. I never really played the Might and Magic series. The old school computer RPG series I played growing up was Wizardry. That was one of the main games we had for my dad's Mac Plus. I never beat it as a kid but I recently downloaded an old Mac emulator to try it again. Although on the Mac version of Wizardry, Proving Grounds of the, Proving Grounds of the Mad Overlord, Surtech added some weird code to actually play the game, so I may have to try an Apple II or my NES version. In Wizardry, you for the most part roll up a party of six to go into the dungeon. If, you're having, if you are trying to have the best characters possible, you can grind this section for 30 minutes or more. The number of points you can put in your character at creation is random. There are five races. It's the races that were super common in 1980s, human, elf, dwarf, gnome, and hobbit. It's a two-row party system. Like most early 80s RPGs, you start out uh, you start out not really ready to fight much of anything, and then you just need to grind. If your party member dies, you can backtrack to town and uh, revive them. Revival is not a guarantee, Sometimes the individual you are trying to revive turns to ashes. <laughs> Holy crap. Jesus. That person is dead, dead. Uh, if your party is wiped in the dungeon, they stay there. The only way to get them back is to make a new party and head down into the dungeon t- after them. However, you have to have space in your six-person party to reclaim the bodies. So this is a dangerous endeavor. Sometimes it's best to cut your losses and move on. The dungeon has two levels of ten floors. The first four are referred to as Trebber's. 
Proving Grounds. Fun fact, one of the programmers' first names was Robert, so they simply flipped the name around to get Trevor. Holy shit, that's awesome, Ryan, because as soon as I saw Trevor, that made me think of when I used to play Star Wars games, I would make my name be Trevor because it was Robert backwards. Interesting. (laughs) The next six floors are Wordna's Deep Dungeon. The other programmer is Andrew. Which of course is where is you know backwards is Wordna. Once you finally get to the tenth floor, you have to defeat the evil wizard Wordna and his pack of vampires. Then you get an amulet, and you are required to use the amulet to teleport back to the beginning of the dungeon. That sounds just like a NetHack, and also Brogue, but which is NetHack is uh, which is based on NetHack. But in NetHack, yeah, you have to go down to the bottom of the dungeon, kill a wizard, get his amulet, and then get out of the dungeon. He says, if you don't get clues for the teleport coordinates, you could teleport into a wall and everyone dies. Damn, that's intense. That's pretty cool, though. For nostalgia, I bought a complete in-box copy of Wizardry on the Mac. I saved a search for it and waited six years for a copy to finally drop low enough for me to buy it. I watched three copies change hands over the years, and and each time it sold for a sillier and higher price. I was not willing to pay over $100 for it. I was more than happy to finally get it for $24, including shipping. I love how he's watching the eBay alerts for this one copy that just keeps getting sold every now and then. My wife still thought it was dumb since I don't have a Mac to play it on, but it still looks nice on my shelf of video game stuff. I spent more way, way more time talking about wizardry than I thought. I hope you're all having a great podcast and that Jay is having fun grinding World of Warcraft. Oh, you know it. Thank you, Ryan. Next one yeah, is from... Next one Sorry. is from Mike. You're good. Uh, here, Jay. How, how about you take? How do you take Mike's? Okay. There you go. Oh, my thing will load. There we go. Uh, Mike says, "My name is Mike." I say, "Good afternoon from Tennessee, Class and Gaming Podcast." Sorry, I'm scrolling down a little bit. My name is Mike, and I came across your podcast almost a year ago. A year ago, I'm currently listening to episode 145, so I'm not quite caught up yet. However, I wanted to email you guys and tell you how much I have enjoyed your podcast. It's brought me a lot of laughs this past year and given me a backlog of classic games that I probably won't get close to completing. Uh, you have converted me into a Final Fantasy Tactics fan. Yes, oh, I shit. have. Thank you. Welcome to the club. Uh, I tried it out a few years ago, excuse me, a few years prior, but couldn't stick through the initial difficulty curve. Yep. After listening to your high praise, along with Blake's in earlier episodes, I decided to give uh, give the game a second try, and it's now one of my all-time favorites. Oh, I promise you guys, this is not my email that I wrote in telling you guys about how you should play more. I promise (laughs) this isn't. This, This person might actually exist, probably. Um, he said, he goes on to say, I also discovered SNES Drunk and Gaming Jay through your podcast, whose channels I enjoy a, on a regular basis. So thank you for that. I do the same. Um, he says, Robert, I intend to try out Monkey Island and Metal Gear Solid series in the nice. future. These were two franchises that I never considered trying, but your reviews and love of those series have put them on my gaming radar. Hell yeah, that's what I like to hear. Uh, he closes up by saying, Jay, always nice to come across a fellow Majora's Mask fan. <laughs> yes, yes I, I applaud you. A gentleman and a scholar. Respect that opinion. Mike's on a roll. Oh, man. I, this guy's in my court. Again, I promise I didn't write this email. Um, <laughs> and he closes up by saying, anyways, I will write more once I'm caught up and participate in some top fives. Uh-oh. Oh, no, no. 
Uh, keep up the good work, Mike. Thank you for the email, Mike. That's awesome. Good Thank choices. you, Mike. Good yeah, choices. thanks for saying thanks for the for the compliments as well. Uh, yeah, we're glad you're liking it, and I'm glad you were able to discover SNES Drunk and Gaming Drake. Uh, Gaming J. Gaming Drake. <laughs> And yeah, check out Monkey Island Middle Gear Salad also. Okay, last one. Chase the Night Cleaner. He says, hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here with a piping hot pile of email for you. Is there a friend here today? A podcast friend? All friends are great. Thank you for being your friend, Vaughn. Unless you left. <laughs> that wow. happens sometimes. This show can run long. Well, uh, he did leave, but not, not for the reason you think. Yeah. The only thing better than hanging out with your friends, beating them in a game you all love. My video gamer brain was forged in the fires of the 90s where couch PvP was king and you could just reach out and slap that friend who was shit-talking you as you played. Which brings me to my question of the day. What is your favorite game to play competitively? Though I love me a solid round of Street Fighter, Mario Kart, or Smash Brothers, few games... Gave me the same sense of accomplishment as playing a LAN or online game of my favorite real-time strategy, real strategy games. Honorable mentions to Warcraft 2, Starcraft, and Total Annihilation. Yep, that's uh, where I'm landing. Starcraft 2, love me some some PvP. I, I, there were, ranking up in Starcraft was some of the best feelings ever. Starcraft is such an incredible game, and to, to continue to rank and get higher and beat people and play against people you know and beat them is the yeah. best feeling in the world, especially when you, you know, you beat them multiple times. Maybe one time you cheese them. Other times you play like a more macro conservative style. Like it is just such a great feeling, especially when somebody shit talks you. Shit talking in StarCraft Online for some reason became super prevalent at a certain point. So <laughs> if you beat somebody, it just felt so good. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I have to go with StarCraft 2 also. Um, just StarCraft 2 too? Yeah. Because basically for the reasons you said, like it, like it felt so good to, to beat somebody in that game. Like that was, I, I didn't play, I played it very, as you, as you and I both did like very intensely yeah. right up until about the first expansion came out. And it wasn't that I didn't like the expansion. It was just like, that was when I finally got burnt out. Um, but I mean, that was like a solid year and a half or so of playing it like for hours a day. Uh, just because like, honestly, this, they really had that game very well, but you know, there were some, 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 a few balance issues, but overall, oh, it was, Marauders. It was, yeah, but overall it was really, really well balanced and fun. There was a variety of stuff to do, especially with the three different races, you know, that creates nine different matchups. Um, so, well, wait, is that, hold on. Is that how it works? Is my math right? No, no, no. There's. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. six. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Six. Yeah. Six. You're right. Six different matchups. Um, so, and, and as you said, beating somebody feels so rewarding. It's like, yes, I did my, my strategy paid off. I thought this through correctly, uh, or, or, or in the best way. And, uh, man, just like the feeling of, of winning in that game was so good. And when you and when you go with the strategy and execute on it, like for me, I was really keen on trying to master builds, like try to get a build down to where I could do it very well. So like, you know, you build your first pylon on this supply, you build your first gateway on this supply, you scout at this time, you, if you see X, then you do Y, if you see Z, then you do A, you know, I was trying to be very methodical about it. 
and get my builds down. And when I would execute on my builds, and realistically, the biggest thing for me, if I would play a game without getting supply capped, that was always my thing was like, I wanted to get my APM up as much as possible, which in my peak of playing, I could get my APM up to like two, 250, 300 in like really intense situations, which is just awesome. I mean, it was such a great feeling. And then also limiting or not being supply capped at all in a game feels oh, yeah. amazing. It's just such a great feeling if you are just constantly building enough supply depots, pylons or overlords in order to continuously, you know, build throughout the game. Oh, it's such a great feeling. <laughs> um. Another one for me, which is another one that Chase mentioned, is is Street Fighter. Aside from just Street Fighter Two, which of course is the most famous one, I, I did play a lot of Street Fighter Four uh, for a while, for like you know four or five months, uh, and that that's a, that's another one that that feels really good when you beat somebody in it. Um, but yeah, I, I I mean like he kind of names the main ones, Mario Kart as well. That's a great one. Mario Kart, Street Fighter, and StarCraft are probably going to have to be mine. And of course, I, well, no, okay, I'll take it back. I guess there's also GoldenEye was super fun multiplayer. Perfect Dark was super fun multiplayer. Those those are also up there. And even uh, f- even Halo, like the first one especially, I used to play that a lot in my dorm. And uh, we, we did have a lot of fun uh, with Halo. And we like also hooked up to the network like the dorm network and we would play the guys in the hall across from us. So we could actually do like four V fours. It was a, uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, Chase says, which brings me to my second question of the day. Did you ever screen cheat? Every, nobody has not screen cheated. Yeah. I was going to say, did you ever screen cheat while playing a competitive game? Um, okay. He just describes what screen cheating is. Yeah. I, I mean, like I would try not to, but everybody's everybody has screen cheated plenty of times in their life. I don't think, I mean, is that safe, that's safe to say, Jay. Yeah, I would say so for sure. Uh, he says I did, and I'm not proud of it, but I did from time to time, and was often one of the best players locally because it was very easy to memorize maps and use that knowledge to your advantage. But you know what? I never did turn around and look at someone else's turn around and look at someone else's screen during a land party, and I hope you didn't either. No, I definitely didn't do anything like that. Although I guess I was never in that situation either but i remember like a lot of times halo again comes up where that's one where it's really easy to tell where somebody is by looking at their screen so what you would like if you were hiding you would just have to duck and stare at the ground so like just make the screen as dark as possible so people if they were looking at the screen trying to find you they couldn't figure out where you were he says and that's all for me today thanks for doing what you do and for this section of your show Thank you, Vaughn, for hanging out. I hope you're having a good time. Cheers and talkers again soon. Chase the Night Cleaner. That's it. Jay, uh, current gaming subcast? Uh, I'm getting back into Hades again. I got Lisa playing Hades, oh, and she was like, really? oh, I don't know. Like, I, might, I don't know if I like it. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> she, she got stuff playing it. So. Uh, right, so which is have, awesome. Have you had any successful runs? Oh, yeah. I, I In my last, like, five runs. So I beat the game, by the way. I didn't know you could beat the game. I beat the game. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to finish it like a certain number of times, right? I have no idea. I, I didn't know that, but yeah, I I beat the game finally, and I'll be honest, with you, I wasn't really thrilled with how the game kind of concludes and sort of the post game stuff. I thought it was a little too uh, fan servicey uh, for hmm. me, but okay. um, not a huge fan of that portion. But the game obviously is incredible, and definitely excited to see what else they do. But yeah, I've, I've actually completed the majority of the runs I've done recently. I'm trying to rank up whatever like the the hard mode difficulty apply multiplier is. I think I'm at seven right now, um, and I'm kind of excited to like keep keep doing that more and more. 
cool. Such a great game, though. I st- I there's a game that I've been wanting to play for a long time, and it just recently, I forgot if it was. So it was only on the Epic Store for a while. It only just recently came to Steam. I can't remember if it was in early access until just now, or if it was like just straight up released, but only on uh, Epic Store for a while. But regardless. It is out of early access now, and it is on Steam. I think it finally came out, uh, like, a month ago. It's called Griftlands. And I saw some uh, videos of this back in, when, it, when it was in early access. And it looked really cool. It's a card-based game. And it's a it's a rogue. Well, I say roguelike. It's more of a... I, I would, it doesn't have all the trappings of a roguelike game, but it does have permadeath. So it's a permadeath card-based game where... You play a character. There is a story to it. You, um, there are actually several characters that you can unlock, but the main one that you start, the one that you start off with, is this woman. You're a bounty hunter, and you find out that uh, this this kind of very uh, prominent crime lord type person, who more or less you were indentured to for all of your like up until you like from from when you were a child up until you were like a, I don't know what age or but like up until you were a teenager or something like that for for 10 years or so you were basically an indentured servant for this crime lord and now this crime lord has a huge bounty on her head and you're a bounty hunter so you're trying to get revenge on her for what she did to you and also just to get a just to get a big ass payday because you're a bounty hunter uh for a card game it's very heavily story based especially for a run based game um it's heavily story based but it doesn't get bogged down in the story it's like you beat plenty of characters plenty of stuff unfolds you learn like about the world that you're in you, you learn about the like you know the, the people nearby and all this and like the different factions and stuff kind of the politics at play but all the dialogue goes by pretty quickly it's like there's enough lore to keep it interesting but not so much dialogue that you get tired of talking to people they, they really did a, a good job of balancing that um, so what you're doing is typically, is basically going around from, from place to place, traveling around this area, um, doing jobs for people. And as you're traveling around, occasionally you'll have random encounters. Like you might be on the way to deliver something for somebody and then, or, or even just go somewhere else to find a job. But anytime you're on the road traveling, there's a chance that you might have an encounter and it could be somebody just trying to sell you something, or it could be somebody trying to rob you. Or it could be a like a wild beast just wanting to attack you for no reason. Could maybe be somebody hunting you down. It could be any a number of things. But when you go to the various places, there are... Like, say you go somewhere where somebody is that you're going to get a job from. That person's there. And there's also typically, like, one or two or maybe even three other people standing, like, in this, you know, around in the bar or wherever you might be. Those are all characters that are... that that like kind of stay around for the entire game and you might see them in other places. But what's interesting is you can kind of form relationships with some of these characters. Sometimes you might do something that makes them really like you. Uh, or sometimes you might beat them in battle, but not kill them. And that makes them dislike you. Or if you do kill somebody, because anytime you fight somebody in battle, you get to a certain point where if their HP gets low enough, you can allow them to surrender or you can kill them. If you kill somebody, then anybody that that person was friends with will automatically dislike you. So you have more people dislike you in the town. 
<clears throat> if you if you kill a lot of people as opposed to just allowing them to surrender. So as you play through the game, the more and more you go to various locations to, to get jobs and stuff, you know, if you have a lot of people hating you, there's a chance that you're going to come across one of those people again. Because as I said, it like it's not just kind of random NPC here and there. It's like people that the game actually tracks. So they might go somewhere. You might happen to run into them, bump into them at some place. And if there's somebody that really hates you, they might want to fight you, or, or maybe they would have a maybe they you know would have a job, but they're they're not going to offer it to you because they don't like you. It's really cool how it kind of keeps track of of your relationships with what seem to be just kind of random characters throughout the game, but that could actually play a part in how your run goes. Uh, when you do fight somebody, it's a again it's a card based game. And then you can like, you know, you can, un you can buy new cards and stuff like this as you're playing through. So you kind of, it's, it becomes a deck builder where you're trying to kind of get cards that have good synergy with each other. Another thing is you can have conversations with people. Sometimes you might want to convince somebody of something, or maybe sometimes instead of fighting somebody, you might want to like convince them to, to, to do whatever it is you want them to do. And that brings up a different kind of battle system, which is also card based, but it's like a card. You're basically, you're using your cards to instead of fight each other, you're using them to argue with each other. And so, like, you might have a card that represents this kind of argument, and it comes up. Or you might play another card that's like, this is a rebuttal, or this is an intimidation card. And like, the idea is you're, they're not literally having a conversation while you're doing doing it. Like, there's no dialogue throughout all this. But the idea is that the two characters are having a, having a dialogue, they're having an argument with each other, you're presenting points, they're presenting counterpoints, and whoever ultimately wins is, of course, the person who wins the uh, who wins the argument. And if you win, then you convince them to do whatever it is, whether it's to, uh, you know, like, whether it's something that you were trying to get them that you, that you could force them physically, but you decided to uh, try to talk them out of it instead. Or maybe it's, like, in one case, I was able to talk somebody forgot exactly what it was, but like through the conversation by winning the argument, I was able to kind of intimidate him in some way that it gave him some negative stacks for the inevitable fight that I was going to have with him immediately afterward. So, uh, all that is to say, I'm really, really, really enjoying Griftlands. It's, it's, it's lots of fun. I thought it looked cool when it came out. I wanted to wait for it until it was on steam because I don't feel like getting an Epic account. And, uh, yeah, I bought it like a week ago. So far I have seven hours in it already. And, uh, it's, it's, it's super fun. I, I really recommend it because the battle, the, the battle system is really fun, but also on, on top of that, you have the other things that I talked about, like keeping track of characters, you're keeping track of your relationship with the characters. The story is actually pretty good. There's plenty of stuff to unlock. There's other stories to unlock as you unlock other characters and, uh, it all, it's all, all of it's really fun. I'm, I'm very impressed with it. Awesome. I'm glad you're having so much fun with it. Yeah. Um, so that's it uh, for this episode. Again, our next game of the quarter, which that will be sometime in September, near the end of September, is uh, Front Mission. That is, unless you're playing a Japanese version of it, you'll have to play the DS version of that game. Uh, sorry that Vaughn had to drop out. But you can, but be, be sure to check out IndiePod. That's uh, that's that's the podcast that he and Josh do. It's a very fun one, especially if you're into uh, indie games. 
You can follow them at Indie. Uh, is it at Indie? Yes, it's at Indie Pod. You can follow us. I'm at King Octavius. You can follow the podcast at Class Gamescast. Send us your mail. Send us your email. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Again, our next episode, Jay and I are going to do our top 10 games of 1996. If you want to send in some of yours, maybe maybe don't send in your full top 10. Or you can if you don't, if you don't have a whole lot of commentary. Send in whatever you want. Tell us what your you don't have to send us all of your top 10, but some of your favorite games from 1996 were, or just email us about whatever the hell you feel like talking about. Uh, leave us all some reviews on iTunes. Tell your friends to listen to us. And uh, I think that's it. Unless you can think of anything I'm, I'm leaving out, Jay. Yeah, I think that's everything. I think we're good. Everybody, as always, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in about three weeks. Bye-bye.